All right, all right, all right. What is going on, everybody? And welcome on into the third ever episode of the Cinema Lords podcast. Let's go. We have a very, very big show to you, uh, for you guys today. A lot to talk about, a lot to get through. Uh, first things first, off the top, I am your host, Nick Soares. Uh, with me again today for the third consecutive show. The guy's really starting to find his flow on the ones and twos. Kalos, what's going on, bud? How are we doing today? Good to be back. Feels great. Here to do another show. Let's go, baby. Let's run Let's it. Go. And then with us for his first podcast debut, the first time, uh, a kid that I've been riding with for longer than anybody else in my entire life, pretty much since the sixth grade. We've probably spent hundreds, if not thousands, of hours watching things together over the course of our friendship and doing things just like we're going to be doing today. But uh, my good friend, Mr. Seth Rogers, Moose, what's going on, buddy? Boys, how we doing? Um, first off, it's good to be here. You guys have been kicking ass the first two episodes, so Thank you. I had to get my feet a little bit wet going into this. Um, it's cool to have a platform to talk about the stuff that we've been, you know, talking about on the couch and shooting the shit for for, you know, <laughs> till two in the morning. So it's nice to actually uh, have other people hear the stupid stuff that we talk about. So Amen. I'm happy to be here. Let's go. And you know when he says that, I gotta say. I've been overwhelmed with the feedback again this week. Uh, I mean, people have been coming up. I mean, we were at a party this weekend. We were at a get-together with a bunch of our friends. And the number of people that came up to me and mentioned the show for absolutely no reason other than the fact that they wanted to and that they enjoy it, I was stunned. It really, really was awesome. I love that people are enjoying the show. I know we're having a good time, but it really does mean a lot that other people are also enjoying it. They're going out of their way. I've been getting texts. I've gotten a couple calls, which nobody ever calls me. I've got a couple. <laughs> I've got a couple calls from people to say how good that the show, uh, how good the show has been. So it's it's really it's been awesome. You know, it, it feels good to to be doing something that people are enjoying. You know what I mean? Absolutely, it's a cool feeling. It's nice to know that people are watching, so we appreciate it. We and sure it beats do. watching the Red Sox too right now, anyways. True. <laughs> But uh, also, um, thank you guys for sharing, too. You guys have been awesome as far as that goes. I've been seeing a bunch of people share it around. Uh, so much, so much love, and I really do appreciate it. And I just ask you guys to keep that up because, again, that's the only way that this show is ever going to get bigger is with your guys' help. The more eyeballs, the better. So, you know, share, subscribe, rate, review, comment. Tell your friends. Tell your family when you're at a gathering. Do anything you can to help talk about the show because that's the only way it's going to get bigger and better is with your guys' help. So thank you again for doing all that. And like I said, the love has been honestly a little overwhelming. I really do appreciate it. It makes me feel really good. So Again, I'm looking for a sponsorship, so <laughs> let me know. That's right. We, a little bit of money can never hurt. We, uh, this whole thing is put together, like I said, by me, and it's very makeshift. We had to go out and buy a third camera literally 30 minutes ago. Our, uh, our backup third camera fell through. I was like, oh, shit. We had to run the target, went and bought a third, a third microphone. I'm sorry. Third microphone just to, uh, just to do this show tonight with Seth. So... We're in for a good one. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, I wanted to start things off today with our guest, Seth. Uh, while we've watched a thousand things together, one of them that fell through the cracks was what we recommended back in uh, episode one is True Detective, the first season. He had never seen it before. He decided to dive on in. And he actually wasn't the only one. I actually talked to a couple of other people that I heard the recommendation and, and they jumped in as well. So that's cool to hear. Seth, where, what are we thinking? How are we feeling? So first, first off, just for you know, many people who don't know me, this sounds dumb because I'm on a podcast about TV shows and movies, but I don't watch TV shows that much at all. Not a big episodic guy. I've got Game of Thrones, Office, and The Sopranos. It's probably about all I got. 
But uh, big movie goer still. You you, yeah. you go with us a lot to the theater yeah, when we movie, go. movies are my go to. But I'm starting to get into some you know episodic TV shows. Um, so True Detective, I'm four four episodes in. Uh, on the first season, and just getting to the good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it so far. I got to be honest. Um, it's funny because you know the the biggest thing about the the whole thing is obviously you know this big um, you know mystery murder, um, and you know the Matthew McConaughey Woody Harrelson figuring out who did it. Um, but it's right now at the bottom of my list of things that I care about in the show. Um, I'm just much more intrigued by the relationship between McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Like that, they're it is a very Weird dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, they are two peas in a pod, to say the least. Um, and it's funny now because you know, watching the last episode, that was the uh, like the undercover episode. Um, probably Woody, the best one of the probably the best episode in the season. Yeah, probably. so far, I mean, definitely my favorite one so far. But now Woody Harrelson's starting to crack a little bit, a little bit like how Matthew McConaughey was. He just got his divorce. His wife just found out what was going on. So he's starting to crack a little bit. Matthew McConaughey's just on it. Yeah, because in the beginning, they make him seem kind of like he's the solid one. He's the wall. Right. Matthew McConaughey's a little rigid, kind of on the, kind of a wild card. Yep. And then, then it kind of went vice versa, but then Matthew McConaughey's doing all this crazy stuff on the undercover, <laughs> undercover, you know, whatever That's right. he's got to yep. do. He goes do. undercover too. Um, drugs, you name it, whatever he can. But it was a wild episode. But um, like I said, it takes a lot for me to rip through a bunch of episodes in one sitting and, uh, this is one that I'm, I, you know, I can't wait to watch the next episode, and I'm going home tonight, probably watching another one. So, nice. been loving it so far. I used to be the that. same way, honestly. When I was younger, I used to watch way more movies than I did watch TV shows. But as I've gotten older, I've gotten hooked on getting captured by a TV show and waiting for the next episode to come out or the next season. So, I don't think that's unusual. I think that TV. I mean, not even to call it TV is honestly, it, it's kind of unfair because it's it's really not TV. A lot of these shows. These streaming platforms are pouring in like beyond movie-sized budgets into them. So I mean, it's basically the same thing as going to the cinema, but it's just watching it from your own, you know, couch. It's not like it was when we were watching cable TV, like growing up, and you know, you're watching whatever it is, the CW, and fucking, you know what I mean? It's it's a whole different breed. TV's elevated so much now. They, I mean, the big name. I mean, there was always big name actors, I guess, kind of on TV, but most of the time it was when they were very young in their career, they were up and coming. You know what I mean? Not. Like it is now where you have guys signing on huge names to do, you know, Netflix shows, HBO shows, Hulu shows, Amazon shows. These guys are huge and they're still doing it because they have so much money. I don't think it was COVID either. I know kind of COVID kind of slowed a lot of things down with the movie theater and whatnot, but I don't think it's that either. Yeah, no, that was... They're buying in a lot more than what they used to. Yeah, I think people, I think they realize that people love, honestly, staying at home and watching things. There are still a lot of people that like going to the cinema, but I think that there are a lot of people that would rather just stay in the comfort of their own home. They have, you know, great couch, great TV, surround sound. They figure, why bother going and spend $30 at the movie theater on popcorn and soda and all of that? Maybe have a broken seat like Kalos gets pretty much every single time we go to the movie yeah, theater. Yeah, that's my insane. luck every single time. <laughs> it's the wildest thing. I don't even put my feet up half the time, and this guy's the one with the broken seat. But... I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying True Detective. I'm glad to hear that a lot of people are listening to the recommendations. It makes it seem like what me and Los are doing here isn't just for nothing. We're not just talking to the wall, that people are actually giving our shows a chance and stuff. And it's even better that you're enjoying them. You know what I mean? Yeah, the shows are nice, too, just because nowadays they're literally spending more on the budgets on some of these TV shows than they are on movies. Yeah, it rings about, like I've been talking about, $450 million. I mean... Even Stranger Things. Stranger Things has poured in money over the last couple of seasons compared to what they did in the first season. Like, Netflix has gone all in, which obviously they should have. That's their goldmine, you know what I mean? But 
with that, let's move on. Uh, we're going to hit a couple of quick news topics that I found somewhat interesting this week. Um, fresh off of the success of Top Gun Maverick, Jerry Buckheimer came out and said that National Treasure 3 is not dead, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. <laughs> Just like Nicolas Cage, the, it is immortal. <laughs> 15 years since National Treasure 2, and uh, Ben Gates got the... The president's book there to go to page 47. We have still yet to see National Treasure 3. I thought it was long dead, especially with this new series in the work that's going to be coming out pretty soon. It's coming to Disney Plus very soon. No one's hired from the original movie, so I'm kind of somewhat disinterested. It also looks like it's all kids, which I find kind of, not like kids, but high school kids. Like, I, don't get me wrong. You know I'm a sucker for high school television shows, but like... Treasure hunting? Like, yeah, wait a minute. I didn't even know this. So Nicolas Cage is not in this? In this? In the show? Yeah. That's coming? No, no, no. The show, uh, no one. No, uh, to I'm my a, knowledge, no one's tied to I the need show, Nicolas Cage. So. Yeah. I need Nicolas yeah, Cage. I don't know if I'll be watching that, to be honest with you. But uh, like I was saying, uh, Bruckheimer said that National Treasure 3 is still in the works. He says the script is, and I quote, looking really good. And they're going to be sending it over to, <laughs> <All right. laughs> and they're going to be sending it over to Nicolas Cage to read. Now, while I am not the biggest Nicolas Cage fan, I am a huge Ben, Gate, uh, ben Gates fan. I love National Treasure. I've seen the both of them like a billion times. I don't care if it's 15 years later. I don't care if it's about the president's book or an entirely new plot. I am all in. If National Treasure 3 is coming, you'll find me there on opening day without question. Yeah, I love those movies too. I don't know if it was just because those movies came out when we were in school and we were learning about the American history and all that stuff, but I love those movies. And I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a sucker, but I thought after the second one, I was waiting for the third one, and it just, just never oh, for came. for sure. just never came. As long as it's not forced, I feel like. You know what I mean? Being, what, 15 years or however 15, since the yeah, sequel 2007 was. 2007 was the last one. As long as it's not you know forced in the sense of like, we, it's just a big name, so we can get, we can draw some money, draw some attention. Like, I, I hope they actually take some time. You know, I have all the faith. Same thing with you, Jerry Bruckheimer. Like, I have the faith that he'll be able to do it. So it's just, you know, that's the only little kind of doubt that I have, but maybe it just means, you know, 15 years in the making just makes it that much better than what it was going to be if they did it 12 years ago. So. Do any of you guys uh, know why the third one wasn't made? Because uh, honestly, I, I think know the it was first... kind of right around the time when Nicolas Cage started hitting his spiral. Uh, okay, because I think it was very shortly yeah. after that was when Nicolas Cage started having his bankrupt thing, and it was like, ta- the like first tax invasion yeah. or something yeah, like that. He, he literally like, like, made a ton of money himself, on those movies. Like, 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 I think he was buying dinosaur skulls and basically other various ridiculous things. <laughs> like, like, like Ben it. Gates would do. Yeah, actually, it's funny you say that. Yes, <laughs> he's searching for treasure. A weird yeah. connection there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he bankrupted himself somehow. He's just buying treasure and stuff like that of all natures. But obviously, he's on a bit of a bounce back right now. And like I was saying, you know, Bruckheimer is riding high. Uh, for those of you that didn't see, Top Gun just passed, uh, was it Avengers, Inf- was it Infinity War? I believe yeah, it was Yeah, I think Infinity it was Infinity War, War yeah. For sixth all-time in box office uh, earnings. And it's only it's it's coming up uh, quick on the top five, which is Black Panther. Yeah, the I mean, next you get the whole audience. You know, you get the older folk watching that movie as well as the younger generations. And yeah, toss in the fact that it's a you need a summer blockbuster. Yeah. And I think it was kind of like you were saying, just a perfect storm of uh. Yeah. Of there wasn't, there wasn't a ton out this success. summer. Yeah. Also, add in the fact that it was unfucking believable. <laughs> it was a good movie. Like, that sure. movie actually a very good movie. this year. Like, and that's without question. Talk to me, Goose. I still have yet to even see a movie that really comes close to as much as I liked that one. Don't get me wrong i mean obviously i loved top gun so i was super excited going into it but that movie exceeded all of my expectations and my expectations were already high i can't wait to, i literally cannot wait to watch it again you think they might make like a spin-off show or something of top gun yeah just because it's been so successful now i feel like that's the 
that's the trend, no? Let's make a spin off. I can tell you right now, I'd be in. Especially if they bring back. It doesn't even have to be. It doesn't have to be Tom Cruise or anything like that. It doesn't no, even have to Miles be Miles Teller. Teller. Yeah, oh, but, I, I think they could give Miles Teller the bag, and they know, could. Yeah. But uh, I think it's. I think he's. Uh, I believe his name is Glenn Powell. I believe is the guy that plays Hangman in the movie. If it was something along like say like Hangman becomes a teacher at Top Gun, I I'd be in on that. No problem. Hey Netflix, where you at? Yeah, for sure. I liked a lot of those side characters that they introduced. I really liked Hangman, and I really liked Phoenix, who was the the, the chick pilot. She was awesome. I thought she was a wicked badass, and I liked her gun, the uh, the kind of the, the nerdy kid too. I thought they were a great team, and they kicked ass. I loved them. Um, next we got some news today. Actually, this just broke a couple of hours ago. Universal announced that Halloween Ends is going to be releasing on Peacock the same day as it comes out in theaters. I believe it's October fourteenth, if I'm not mistaken. To me, that's not good news, Cotton. That makes me very nervous because Halloween Kills was not good. I did not enjoy it. I thought it was incredibly dull. I really enjoyed the first one, the the, the beginning of the, the new trilogy. I really enjoyed it. I thought Jamie Lee Curtis, I had my doubts going into the whole thing, but I thought she killed it in the role coming back. I really liked the first one. The second one was very meh. I didn't enjoy it. I was hoping that we'd finish strong here with this trilogy, you know what I mean, and end it on a good note. But to me, if you're going to come out to streaming the same day as theaters, that to me sounds like you're worried about how you're going to do in theaters, you know what I mean? That means you're worried that the opening weekend, those first big fans that go in are going to come out and they're not going to be happy and they're going to tell their friends that, and then boom, there goes your box office. Whereas if you put it up on streaming right away, you get all those people that are just like, oh, well, you know what, whatever, we're just sitting home, we have nothing else to do. Let's just spend nine dollars and we'll watch it on Peacock. Yeah, well, back in the day when Halloween came out on Halloween or around it, that was a blockbuster. That was a go-to. I mean, I think it'll still do good in that first weekend because there's there's a cult following for Halloween. You're gonna have those same fans aren't going anywhere. They're gonna One, be there. two, three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> three of us. Right I don't here. even care. That's on Peacock. I'm gonna be going to see it in the theater, and that's exactly like you just said. Even though I didn't like the second one, I'm still gonna be there. Yeah, I was so disappointed in the second one. I remember the you know the first one I I really enjoyed. Man, that second one let me down. But you know, not getting too much into it. But there was just nothing to it. Yeah, the, the ending the ending was just really dumb. It turned into like a the villi- like the whole neighbor. I don't know. It's like a cult village and then they didn't even end up killing them i don't know it's very corny they tried they tried doing too much i think at the end and uh at this point of you know michael myers and halloween's career like just stick to the basics just throw some scares at us you know what i mean one of my biggest things honestly was i mean 2022 we're still making halloween movies that means that you still have to up the kills you can't just yeah absolutely you know what i mean for instance scream 5 i thought did a great job with doing that i thought that they did up the kill factor kind of thing like it was it wasn't just anybody that could die but the, the kills were they were brutal which i mean i feel like a lot of us are like desensitized to this shit at this point because we're watching like things we're going to talk about later, like in Game of Thrones this past weekend. We had to watch that. Whew. But, you know what I mean? I feel like that Halloween movie kind of, I don't know, the kills there was, felt. There was no, nothing. It was very bland. Hailed, it was absolutely lazy. That's yeah, what that movie lazy was. Lazy is a good word to put it, yeah, actually. It was just lazy. It wasn't good. Like, they just didn't try. It, like, you know, just give me a little bit of effort. Just a little yeah. bit. So even the, even the first like the first half, I feel like was decent. Like they brought some, you know, I think it was what Tommy Doyle, like the kid yeah, 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 from yeah, the original. Yeah. I thought that I thought that was Which, cool bringing stuff. him right. in. They yes, brought they brought the other younger girl too. Yep, so I like agree. it had some momentum where it was going, and then it just like I said, once it got to like the whole everybody in the town was like just forming. I feel like it just went downhill that after that. Was, it was, no, that was cool. really yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. Like and then he just comes yeah. back, and you barely. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. To me, like I said, that just that. Hey, prove me wrong. Hopefully, it's good. But yeah, hopefully, I'm skeptical going into this next movie for sure. Yeah, glass half empty on that one for sure. 
Think about, I mean, like, like we just talked about Top Gun. Top Gun isn't even thinking about streaming right now. You know what I mean? They don't, they're not even thinking about DVD releases or streaming anything like that. They're like, all right, let's keep getting this money. Let's keep getting this money. People are still coming to see it. People are going to go see it two or three times. I would love to go see Top Gun again. Honestly, I probably should. I can help them get to, you know, those top five. But, I mean, if you go see Halloween and it's good, you're going to go tell your friends, hey, the new Halloween movie was good. And they're going to go see it. You know what I mean? If you don't think that that's going to happen, that's the only reason to me that you would put your thing on streaming right away. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the streaming the same day. I don't know. I just love going to the movies. So, unless they just think that they're going to get like a you know maybe two weeks out of it before Halloween, where the movie theater is going to be packed. You know what I mean? And then yeah. they're like, "Is it going to die down a little bit?" So let's just go right. Yeah, on the that's true. That's that's very that's true. The only they thing could be I just trying to of. get the maximum squeeze uh, like from for, the, for the like two three weeks. weeks. You know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like that's very true. Like I, I, I didn't know. think of that. It's tough, man. Because even think think about it. Just like even like in simple fact, like if you go to the box office, right? All three of us have to buy a ticket. Hypothetically, I already have Peacock, so we don't have to. But if we wanted to, we sub- we subscribe to Peacock for the, the month to watch Halloween. We pay nine dollars. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say nine. And then if you can put you know ten people in my house, they still only get that nine dollars. Oh, absolutely, it's not as good money wise. So that seems to me like I mean, if you're worried about your dollar that much, that's problematic, man. You shouldn't be worried. Like that's what happened. That's why movies when movies start worrying about the money. That's when they fail. Yeah. That's like, when I but, worry. But exactly. like you just like you just said though, Top Gun's been in theater for a couple of months now. It can just keep staying there. Once November first hits, I'm not going to the movie theater to go yeah. see Halloween. You know I what agree. I mean? That's like true. it's it's over. Like, that's probably that might be why they put, they started moving up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Going to the 14th to kind of really get the most out of that two weeks beforehand. Whereas maybe like you said, you put it out. You know, on the 27th. Yeah. The 28th, Seth made a good point like for sure. But. All right, so I think that gets that. The uh, the last thing also actually is from today. Um, the Amazon put out the last and official trailer for the Rings of Power. Now I gotta be honest, while I am very excited for this show, I still am very excited for this show. This trailer being the last trailer was lacking for me. There was a couple of problems I had with it. The first one, did you guys both watch the trailer? I don't. See, I did. I watched. You, the you checked it out too. Yeah. Right, awesome. So my first problem with it, right off the top, the first thing that I noticed before anything visually was, what the fuck is this music? Yeah, the music was not <laughs> yeah, good. I didn't, even think I didn't, that, I didn't yeah. dig it. It just didn't feel like game. I mean, uh, to, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, like Lord of the Rings yeah. at all. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? What the hell? We got like something like I don't know, like a Billie Eilish song or some shit like. That. Yeah. It just did. It doesn't fit Lord of the Rings. It's not what Lord of the Rings is. I absolutely hated it. Lord of the Rings. You got to just hit the classics. You know what I mean? You got to just hit the classics. That was the first thing I took away from. The second thing was a positive. I would say that, that it did look a lot better and cleaner, especially from a CGI standpoint. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I thought excited yeah, so I know you had your doubts about it. The first trailer that yeah. came out, I was pissed after the trailer they released the Super Bowl <laughs> because it looked terrible. It lose. I was just like, this is so obviously bad CGI, and I shouldn't be able to notice it. I'm not picky when it comes to that stuff, but it was just very noticeable. I did not. I like wonder if it, it was, it. and I didn't hear anything about this, but I wonder if it was one of those where like it got such bad. You remember, like what was it, like Sonic the Hedgehog? Remember when like yeah, that came re- out? Re- the CGI re- was so bad that yeah. like in the reviews that they pressured into like changing it. So I, I didn't hear anything about Lord of the Rings being like that. But I, I wonder if it was kind of like something. Yeah, I think there was something to do. with I don't think it was done. It wasn't post. Like it wasn't full blown post production. I think that they obviously wanted to use the Super Bowl because it's the biggest viewing day of the entire year. I think they wanted to use that to launch their announcement because that's where they like really first showed their any like first glimpse of the show. 
Um, I think that was the first time we got a release date too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was at the Super yep. Bowl. So they wanted to use that yeah. campaign. Understandably, too, they're spending a ton of money on that thirty oh, second or a minute long. <laughs> That's where all the money for the CGI went just to get that, just to get that <laughs> out right there. That's what the problem was. <laughs> Uh, but I definitely think that it was a bit of a rush. I think it was a rush trailer, basically, that first one. Because they showed the same exact clips from that first trailer. They showed a couple. Of Looked way better. This one, it's the same clip, but it's just way cleaner. Yeah, they polished everything, which is what I want to see. I just don't want to noticeably sit there and notice that I'm watching CGI and not real live action yeah at, the, at this point we shouldn't be questioning cgi it's like video games i feel like if a video game has bad graphics at, in 2020 like shouldn't be any do? i shouldn't be worrying especially about video when, games or cgi at this especially point when your budget is you know hundreds massive. of millions right it's, of and it's lord of the rings too right yeah massive amazon put all, put everything behind this show you know yeah. what i mean so it shouldn't you're absolutely right it if i uh, don't mean to change the subject but if i could add one more to that the news i saw coming out today curb your enthusiasm uh season 12 approved for oh, no, love I that shot on the way here so yeah it's, yeah. it's curves the curb your enthusiasm back for season 12 that so just want to throw theme. that in there as well best theme song in my opinion <laughs> theme song to my life <laughs> um but the other thing too is that while this being the last trailer and i mean we have like basically like the synopsis of the show to look at online to tell us like you know what we're doing and stuff the trailers haven't given much of like any story. Yeah, at all. I don't know what we're doing here. Exactly. Every like all of the trailers so far has been a ton of just like characters just like staring into the camera and like doing like an ominous look. And it's just like, all right, we get it, we get it. You're introducing a whole bunch of new people, a lot of familiar like races, elves, dwarves, and stuff like all that hobbits that we've seen. But like at some point, as being the last one this year, I feel like be a little bit more storytelling i guess in the trailer yep. sort of about what we're going to be seeing and i don't like hate it though i don't want to know much going into it to be honest with you yeah. i actually thought this most recent trailer was pretty good i thought that it was a good amount of action that kept me uh, intrigued galadriel it looked awesome. way galadriel better galadriel looks like a badass i'm looking forward to see her i'll say that that she did look cool yeah absolutely. i think for me though it's it's it just has like the the name association with it is what's keeping me interested right now. It's just the fact that I know it's Lord of the Rings related. If not gonna lie, if that was just some show, right? Yeah, you I know, I, I just I wouldn't be into it right now. 100%. But the fact that it has Lord of the Rings tied to it, I'm like, all right, you know, probably still gonna watch yeah, I'm it. I'm gonna but tune in. I'm gonna watch yeah, the just whole watching season. those trailers simply that, because it's got the name. Very yeah, true. a lot of the I don't know beasts, where we're going. I don't, whatever you want, like, there's various ones. There's some dogs, some big looking trolls, the orcs. The beasties look pretty cool in this. The orcs look different, which I'll say I kind of like that. They're not going to be identical to the old ones. I like that we're going to change it up a little bit because it is so much earlier. So you would think there'd be some kind of you know change a little bit in their appearance or whatever. Those there, there was some dog looking things in this new trailer that reminded me of the ones from the Two Towers movie that they ride on to that cool little battle. That the Orcs ride. Um, so a lot of that looked cool. So I don't know. I'm Like I said, I'm excited for it. It's Lord of the Rings. I'm going to watch it. But this trailer, I guess I was just expecting a little bit more from being the last one. You know, that's all. I agree. I'm up on it, though, just because I was so down on the, the first trailer. And then <laughs> couldn't go much this. lower yeah, for you. So I'll, I'll take trailer. this yeah. most recent trailer. I'm ready to go. Sign me up. It's going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be even tougher now. Now that like after we're going to talk about it shortly. But after that first episode, I mean, House of the Dragon, we're going to get a second one before. Lord of the Rings, it's going to be tough to compute. It's going to be tough. You got to some compete. work to do. <laughs> yeah, you're going up against a fucking monster right now, man. Um, but that's going to be really Or a dragon. You're going up against a dragon yeah, right really, now, you not are. a monster. Like that. There you go. There you go. I like it. That's why I see it, ladies and gentlemen, right there. Going up against a dragon. Um, but that pretty much wraps it up for our news. We got uh, Only Murderers in the Building finale tonight, which I'm going to be diving into as soon as I get done from here. I mentioned that to you guys. 
last week, but I'm looking forward to watching that tonight too. Um, real quick, we're going to be diving into our two recaps for this week. We're going to be recapping the first episode of She-Hulk and the first episode of House of the Dragon. But before I want to do my recommendations right now, before I forget, and what did I do with my recommendations? Oh, yes, thank you. All right, uh, this week I got two movies for you. And I picked both. Uh, they're kind of they're similar builds, but different genres. I'll get to that in a second. I picked them both because we are kind of getting to that point where the summer's starting to wind down. We're getting into fall. And both of these movies are very summer-oriented. They remind me of summer growing up as a kid. And they're movies that I love to go back and re-watch. And I think that they're both awesome watches. Uh, first up, you can check out on Showtime. It is called Kings of the Summer. I absolutely love this movie. I watch it at least once a year. It's a great coming-of-age movie mixed with some good comedy. you got Nick Robinson, who a lot of people know from the Jurassic World series. Uh, as much as I hate Oof. him, I love this movie. <laughs> Oof. we got uh, Nick Offerman, who everybody loves. And then Erin um, Moriarty is the love interest. A lot of people will know her as Starlight from The Boys. Uh, but basically, it is about um, three friends who are on summer vacation. They're both... Or I'm not sorry, both. All three of them are dealing with um, kind of big events in their lives, a lot of loss and stuff like that. They're all dealing with kind of overbearing parents, and they decide as a response to move out into the woods and live off the land for the summer. And it is a fun, fun time as my cats thought World War Three in the kitchen. It is a, uh, it's a fun time. It's a good movie. It's got a lot of like good messages. I feel like. It's a good coming-of-age movie, which is one of my favorites, like I said. It's a good, good watch, so I definitely recommend that. And then the second is also, again, another summer movie, Summer of 84. Now, the first one, like I said, comedy, coming-of-age. This one, like I said, is the same build. It is a summer vacation, kids home from school. But it's suspenseful, uh, a little bloody, I guess, so kind of more horror. Suspenseful, thriller. Uh, I like to say it's Disturbia 2.0, but basically a group of friends in the, subur uh, in the suburbs uh, believe that their neighbor, who is a policeman, might just be a serial killer who has been killing young boys throughout the various towns in their area. So they are out on a mission to spend the summer trying to prove that this guy is the killer. This one's a good watch, like I said. It does sound very Disturbia-esque. It is very, it does feel Disturbia-esque. Friends... Like I said, summer, you know, murder, guy might be next door. It is very disturbing 2.0. Definitely check that out. Both very, very, very good watches. Just as a second opinion, you said the Kings of the Summer is the name, correct? Mm -hmm. So I've never seen this movie prior to knowing Nick, but I've seen it a few times with him. Good movie. I would definitely recommend watching, especially this time of the year during the summertime. But It is. Perfect movie, especially because yeah. it encompasses the whole body of summer. You start at the beginning of summer. You get all the way to the end of summer. It's one nice summer. And I like, honestly, I'm kind of a sucker for that shit as far as watching things, like at what point we are in our lives, you know what I mean? Like in the summertime, I like watching some of the movies. In the wintertime, I yeah. like watching shit with snow. I don't know. It's my dumb brain, but I kind of like doing that stuff. Yeah. Me, personally, I'm a simpleton. I like uh, action movies and simple things, but... I would not personally watch this movie if I was on my own, but I'm glad that I watched it with Nick, and it, it is a really good movie, so I do recommend people watching it. Yeah, it's a good feel-good movie, and that's another one I think that's like fucking, it's PG-13, I think it's like 90 minutes long, it's something that you can watch, again, with like whoever, there's nothing wrong with the movie, it's not like it's overly cursive or anything like that, you can watch it with kids, parents, whatever. Yeah. 
good watch. And like I said, it's got a lot of good messages and stuff. A lot of good, you know what I mean? You, you, it's a learning movie for the kids, but you, you can take away a lot from it. And it reminds you a lot of freaking just growing up. Both of these movies, I do feel like that big time. Both of these movies remind you of just like kind of being on summer vacation, hanging out with your friends. You want to go on adventures. You want to have fun. You want bike rides and yes, yeah. exactly. You know what I mean? You want something to happen, especially we can relate to that. At least we can out here. We live in the suburbs too. You know what I mean? Things can get boring. You're looking for some mystery. It'd be awesome. Maybe sometimes if your neighbor was a serial killer, maybe <laughs> maybe for a second. <laughs> um, but with all of that, I suggest we start diving into our recaps. Yes. Let's do it. All right. We're going to start with She-Hulk. Uh, She-Hulk just started this week. It's on Thursdays, Disney+. Plus. It's going to be six episodes long. I was looking forward to this episode. I mean, looking forward to this show uh, a lot. I did not love Miss Marvel. I liked parts of it. I really liked the first episode. The rest of the show, yeah. Moon Knight, I basically, for the most part, hated throughout. <laughs> it's funny, because Oscar Isaac is an awesome actor, and he's been in two things that have just been absolutely dumpster fires in my opinion in star wars and oh, that's right. like he's that's been in two right. things that's that are dumpster right. fires to me and i don't blame luck. him for it I literally one time no. yeah no it's no, not, no, no. he was awesome as poe dameron in and moonlight he was, he was the one thing that saved that, was, that show right, exactly yeah. like yeah. his performance was pretty good he had a hard role to play but the yeah. show itself was just not good but i was very excited for this she hulk show and i gotta be honest i definitely thought that it met my expectations it might have even exceeded them a little bit in some parts I thought it was very, very funny. That's one thing that I can't say. I laughed a lot. I genuinely thought it was very funny. I liked uh, Jen's character. She cracked me up. Mock Ruffalo is the Hulk. While I don't love what they did with the mashing thing, he is still funny, which is something at least. That's at least a point in his. He's also that he's like Zen now, and and like I don't know. That I think I was cracking me up, like him just meditating and being very like Zen. And he all was that. very. I thought that he was, he was very funny in this episode for, for a lot of different reasons because he went through a lot of different emotions. I feel like in this episode, yeah. Teacher, jealous. It was all kind of all over the place. Um, but I really, really, really liked this first episode. Uh, what did you guys think? Yeah, first episode. I watched it and I I thought it was okay. I don't know. Everything with Marvel right now, I'm going into it with a skeptical mindset because it's just so all over the place. Like some stuff I really enjoy, some things I'm not liking at all. So um, I went into it. I was a little skeptical at first. I enjoyed it after a first watch, but after a second viewing, I liked it a lot more. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. Um, and I also just enjoyed it. It was entertaining and it reminded me of old school Marvel, which is realistically what I want. So, yeah. I've kind of been in the same boat as Los. Um, you know, this new phase of Marvel, I've been a little skeptic on. Like, I'd rather, personally, I'd rather see Iron Man 5, Captain American 4 versus being skeptic on some of these new guys coming in. Um, but this is one of the better ones, I thought, in my opinion, of having that debut. Like you um, like you were saying, the comedy. Um, I feel like there was a couple, like, later, like I know I like Thor, but I feel like there were some times in Thor they were just kind of cram in some humor and like cheap oh, jokes yeah. people have, that's been a big thing against marvel right now is that they're almost overdoing the yeah I, I thought this one was a lot more natural and i thought that's what made it very funny um like I what, agree, what yeah. you were saying jen's character almost plays in the beginning especially in the beginning almost like almost like a fan just like almost like one of right. us who's been watching these events yeah like we have only obviously she's, and, uh, she's actually in the world but she's kind of got a sense yeah. of humor about it she wants to know more she's talking about steve rogers i also wasn't expecting that like fourth wall breaking that she did at the beginning too yes. so that's yes. like when that happened i was kind of surprised all right so actually yeah let's do that we're going to open up so we open up she's practicing for a case we know that we we've heard at least that this is going to be 
a, a lawyer show. Well, it's still a Marvel show. Just to let you know, we got some spoilers ahead, correct? Oh, yes. Sorry, definitely. That's a close. Good job. See, buddy, that's why, that's why he's the producer, ladies and gentlemen. Spoilers are coming now. Uh, we're going to be doing the, in the entire in-depth episode. So if you, don't want, if you haven't seen it she or you don't want to hear more, episode I would say uh, skip ahead or come back later once you've caught up on the episode because spoilers are ahead. But we open up, and she's uh, like I said, she's practicing for her case. Now, we, like I said, we, we know that this is going to be – there are going to be lawyer scenes in this show, even though it is a Marvel superhero show. We are going to have some courtroom stuff into it, which I'm interested to see. Uh, and then right away, she instantly breaks the fourth wall and basically just tells the audience right in the opening scene, hey, I'm already the Hulk, which to me personally, I actually loved because one of my biggest things with Moon Knight, for instance, was that we have literally – we spent six episodes. We spent six hours and we really at the end of it still didn't have like Moon Knight. Like it's not like we were just ready to go now. Like Moon Knight's off and running. We took six hours to develop this guy, and we still never got there. I felt like it was super slow. And then this was the total opposite. She was like, hey, listen, I'm already Hulk. And then, boom, I was like, awesome. I love that. We instantly dive right, like, she breaks the fourth wall, and she breaks right into a flashback of her and Bruce that we're going to go on a road trip. So like I said, the, like you said, actually, the fourth wall, I liked first. Yeah. The only other character is really Deadpool that's ever really broken the fourth yeah, wall. Yeah, just about. Um and then going into that, the like the kind of the next scene was something that I didn't really like is how she becomes the Hulk. Okay. Um, like I didn't. It's not that I didn't like it. It just kind of felt to me. It felt like very rushed. Like it was just, oh, I get in this accident, and because my blood got transfused with Bruce Banner's, I'm now the Hulk. So now here I am. Like I, I don't know. I just thought it was just like a little bit rushed. Um, but at the same time, I like that they're not wasting time. Like finding a way for her to become the right. Hulk. It's like, how does that kind of so, thing happen twice? Yeah, so and I'm, also, I'm a little like, bit back I and mean, forth. Obviously, if you've seen the movies and stuff, have, I mean, have you ever seen the Hulk bleed? I know. I haven't seen the Hulk Right, yeah. I mean, you don't usually see Bruce Banner running around on the battlefield except for in the beginning of Infinity War in New York. That yep. does happen, which that was, I guess was would have been a problem area. But other than that, Bruce Banner is just kind of chilling in the lab, safe. No real areas. Just with his arm in a sling for four years. Like, his arm's still been broken for five years now <laughs> since, uh, since the end of Endgame. But it's like, that's the only thing he can't figure out is how to fix his broken arm at this point. Um, but yeah, so uh, I do like the fourth wall break. I actually, I did see a thing online that I found very interesting that she breaks the fourth wall even in the comics. That was actually a thing that she used to do. Oh, nice. She would actually, like, basically talk right to the comic reader and yeah. stuff like that. Which she Same was, thing like, like Deadpool West. would do it, yeah. But I found that pretty interesting. So, all right, that's pretty cool. I like that. So it's not like it's something that they're just doing for their own, you know, interest. It's something that's plotted in the comics. So to me, boom, I love that. Uh, next scene, like I said, we're on a road trip. This is when we get into a quick accident due to a Sakarian ship. Uh, Sakar is a place you've probably heard, but maybe not remembered. It's uh, mentioned in Ragnarok. It's also mentioned in Guardians. Uh, it's one of the planets that the Grand Master basically uses as like a trash dump pit to just dump endless amounts of stuff from his planet to there. Uh, so I would have to imagine that maybe he's looking for the Hulk since his escape in Ragnarok. Maybe. Uh, the Hulk does mention that he's going to have to look into it. But they end up crashing off the road. The blood mixes like Seth said. An open wound. 
um, Bruce Banner is bleeding and it gets into Jen, Jen Walter's open wound. And next thing you know, Gamma, and she becomes She-Hulk. I do agree with Seth that it was it felt a little bit rushed just because it was like so much happening at once. Like you it had, was very you had that episode instance, was very like, very fast. Yeah, they're driving and having the story. They're talking about their family. They mentioned uh, a family member named Ched, and then they immediately go off the road. You have the blood transfusion, and then she's the Hulk, and it's just like all this stuff's happening within a matter of a couple minutes, so it's a lot thrown at you. They kind of rush it a little bit, but I do appreciate them just you know advancing through the story and not hanging up on it and taking a whole season to do something. It being six episodes, too, you kind of there's not really a whole lot of wiggle room to... So now you say that, but we've just seen the opposite. That's the problem. Yeah. That's why I'm excited. That's why I actually really like this one, because we just saw the opposite. Right. I feel like it's just that they got everything that they needed to get out now, and now it's not, like now we're on. Yeah, you know I love what I mean? it. Like now, we, I, now we take off. I, I like totally it as well. agree. I loved it. I thought exactly like you just said. I thought that they hit all the things that they needed to hit. They got their storylines out of the way, and now they can kind of just go, boom, we're off and running, which I think is what they should do. You know what I mean? Get your own actual story yeah. rather than just doing I don't want to see origin Bru- story for six yeah. episodes long you know what yeah. I mean I don't want to see Bruce Banner just training Jen Walters on how to be She-Hulk for six episodes right yeah. don't, even the don't origin want stories it. for the movies for all of our big characters right like Iron Man Captain America Thor whoever have you all their origin stories come in the movies the movie is like two hours and twenty minutes long yeah if you're going to have a six-episode season that's way longer than two and a half hours it shouldn't be the same story that we're telling in a two-hour movie you yep. know what I'm saying it just shouldn't but Regardless, like I said, I like that it was moving fast. From there, we go to a bar. She wakes up. She is now the She-Hulk. She wakes up outside of a bar. She's by herself. She heads on in to what was a very interesting and funny scene. I'm not exactly how sure or how realistic, I guess it is. But she goes into the women's bathroom. She's all beat up. She looks like she's been sleeping in the dirt for a while. This a little team of four girls come in. And very funny, they start just to doll her up. She's missing shoes. One girl's got a pair of shoes. One girl's doing her makeup. One girl's doing her hair. One girl's fixing her shirt. She asks for a cell phone. All four of them get their phones out faster than you can ever see. Now, I don't know where they're from, but I've never seen women be that nice to each other ever. <laughs> they're definitely not from Boston, that's for yeah, sure. No, no. Yeah. I've never seen that in my life. The girls in my family aren't that nice to each other. They're much strangers. My goodness. It's like the Wizard of Oz or something. Like they're prepping them up to go see the wizard is basically what it was. <laughs> Good call. That was a, I thought it was a funny scene, though. Like I said, I don't know how realistic it was, but I, I found it very entertaining. Uh, then she heads outside. She meets into a couple of just, you know, the typical creepoids hitting on the girl by herself. Uh, and then she begins to hulk out on him before, I, again, I thought it was something very funny. As she's about to hulk out on him, I get all excited. I'm like, all right, she's going to mash these three guys up, throw them around. Mark Ruffalo comes out of nowhere and just hits her with a gore rhino style and puts her down. And that's it. I thought that was very funny. Screen goes black. And then we wake up in Mexico. Bruce's bar. Bruce's bar. Love it. Turns out while everybody else was blimped away. Bruce was in Mexico at this beautiful facility that Tony Stark built for him, learning how to become what he calls Smart Hulk. He also built himself a bar, as Seth mentioned. He's living like a pretty nice little life. This is where he brings Jen to kind of get her away from civilization, teach her about who she is, teach her about how to be a Hulk. And it turns out that Jen is a lot more ahead of the game than Bruce was Yeah, by strides. A lot of the learning curve that Bruce had to deal with and the things that he had to deal with, Jen does not. Again, part of the dynamic of the show, though, they seem to, you know, just advance past these these things. Correct. 
it could also be too that that at this point you know it's only been one episode in so they're not like her life as a lawyer hasn't been incorporated with her being she hulk you know what i mean so maybe like maybe once she gets back to her everyday life of being a lawyer and having to deal with these things could could lead to like her not being able to control it as well yeah you know what i mean but now now that she's just here on this island with just her her uncle i feel like it's like you know there's not a whole lot of times when she can't control being being a hulk yeah no she's like i think bruce tried to test her out a couple times he did the whole uh like the razor blade power saw table death trap room, <laughs> which was again pretty funny yep. she smashes out of that i love when hulk cheers her i love when uh, hulk cheers her on he's like yeah <laughs> i thought that was hysterical seems like really a meathead just he <laughs> <laughs> really did let's pump some more on it <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that. The spandex no. thing was hilarious too. The spandex, best friend, spandex. Yep, yep, teaching her the ways. Uh, I like that he he basically kept track of every single step of his entire mutation, and was able to turn it into a syllabus. He says, "I love that." Yep. But I actually think that possible. I mean, it's possible that with all of the tests that he's done on himself, the fact that the game has been inside of his body so long could have somehow maybe like adapted mutilated somehow and maybe that's why it's so much later that once it hits her maybe that's why she's fathering the game somehow something like that it's like a mature exactly it's like a mature radiation something like that yeah i can see that like hulk's trained hulk's helped himself so well to kind of balance both that yeah i can see what you're saying something like that maybe i don't know because like one of the biggest things is that she doesn't have the personality she is just jen right away as soon as she hulks She's still just Jen. There's no one else on the wheel, as they say. Yeah. So that's interesting to me. The fact that she basically was able to figure out so many of her powers so fast, too. Like, I mean, one of my the, my favorite scene in the show is something that I've been waiting for for so long. But um, after Hulk is kind of you know teaching her what's up and stuff, she's ready to leave. They get into a little bit of an argument. Next thing you know, things get physical. We have a little bit of a Hulk fight. And a scene that I've been looking forward to for a very long time, we get the Hulk clap, the Hulk <laughs> smash, the supersonic boom. It was awesome. Yep. I loved it. But then she's able to basically figure it out in, you know, three seconds. Her first clap's a huge disgrace, but the next thing you know, she's figuring it out. Bing, bang, boom. She's got the Hulk on all fours. So She was like a seal clapping her hands. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually not a bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, she seemed to manhandle him pretty good for a little while there. She does seem very strong. Even they did the uh, the the ground punch test, and the Hulk does it first, and you know it sends some cracks going. And then she does it on her first try, and like half the mountain starts falling down. This that and the other thing. Bruce showed a lot of jealousy in this episode. He tried to hide it, but there was a few times where you could tell he was definitely a little upset. He was like, "I've been fucking, I had to imprison myself basically for multiple different strands of time, whether it be the blimp or this or that, the other thing." He was stuck in space for two years in Ragnarok, like he said. This guy had to go through a lot to figure out, and he still doesn't have it perfect now. He's still having his issues. And he collects all that data. He has this huge binder, like a syllabus, on how to become the Hulk and like manage your two personalities. And she doesn't, she doesn't even need she doesn't even need it. Yeah, basically just just rips out the whole the whole all the pages and just goes, "All right, I'm good. I'm out." Uh, so after that fight, that's exactly what she does. She bounces and she hits the road, which is basically where the episode ends. She goes back to the opening scene, where it's her in the courtroom practicing for her case. Um, the only thing we really get after that is she goes to the trial. And before the episode wraps, while she's making her closing statement, a Ric Flair, Elton John, WWF, 
80s era impersonator <laughs> comes bashing through the wall. The fabulous moolah the comes fabulous in. Fabulous moolah yeah. comes just bashing through the wall, looking like something else. They have a quick little throwdown, but she basically takes care of her in two seconds and gets do right back have, to closing the. Office. Do we have any like idea on or thoughts on what that is? Do you think that was just somebody that they can throw in as a? I mean, like I, I can't imagine that person being the main villain of the whole thing, right? Is that, I don't know. That I don't think so, but I don't think. Beat. I also don't think it'll be like a one-off scene. I definitely assume that they're going to put her in there. Actually, I don't know. I guess she could have been a one-off scene. Yeah, I don't know. She didn't seem very spectacular. So, like, yeah, I would, I would like to see the next episode kind of dig into who or what that was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or who the next villain? Unless, is. Like, like I said, unless we, what are we going to fight next, or what's the next goal here? Yeah. yeah. Well, we know something's coming because we have a lot of people to get into this show. We don't know what like capacity or what they're going to be doing, but we, like I said, we know that we have Abomination coming. We know that we have Daredevil coming. We know that we have Wong coming. So something's fairly big is going to happen. I don't know. That woman seemed to be pretty damn strong, but like I said, She-Hulk handled her in about two seconds. She went right back to delivering her. She hulked right down. Actually, you know what? There you go. Yeah. She hulked right back down the size. Yeah. She seems to be handling... Right, that's true, too. She seems to be handling the court life okay. She seems to have a good tack on her abilities. She seems to be able to go big and small, whatever the hell she wants to. true. I actually thought that was pretty funny, though, when her friend is in the courtroom, and she's like, yo, you got to, like, hulk out. And she's like, right now? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, all right, let me take my shoes off. Yeah. I thought that was very, very funny. Um, And then the last part of the episode, I would say, was probably... I thought it was the funniest part, maybe just because I wasn't expecting it. There haven't been a total, a ton of these um, after-credit scenes for the the Disney Plus shows, but this one had one, and I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it was. We flash back to when she is still training with Bruce at the bar. Uh, one night they decide to get indulged in alcohol because now that they're hulks, they can basically drink as much as they want to without getting too hammered. They can just get very strong buzzed. But she is trying to basically lure Bruce Banner into giving up some secrets, and sure enough. Bruce lets it slip that Captain America may have lost his virginity in 1943, and she proclaims that Captain America fucks, and I lost my mind. <laughs> Good for Cap. Congrats on the sex, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, those are kind of the things that I want to see from, like, I feel like the after credits for, like, the TV shows should be... Like the, the comedy, the comedy right. things that I you hate should have. The fucking movies, man. Right, and some, you know something like, like the the second, I guess the second after credit scene for Thor. Like that's what those should be. It should be kind of connecting the next movie. Right. But these TV shows, like I'm all for having those goofy post credit scenes. I don't want to stick around at the movie theater for 15 minutes just to hear that's some corny. Like Doctor Strange. That one. I, was, I mean, while yeah. it was kind of funny, it was still like I just sat around for 10 minutes. Right. I stopped but the second one is more of like, <laughs> the second one I'm way more intrigued of like, oh shit, like this is where we're going next. It's, you know, this it's his wife and this, that, and the other. So uh, as long as the TV shows kind of stick to the goofy post-credit scenes, then yeah. I'll, and especially if it's going to be that funny, like I'm all for it. I'm waiting for Kevin. Now it's like the, I think the third or fourth time that Kevin Feige's basically done that where he's cut away mid-F-bomb. Yeah. Somewhere along the right. line. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when or where or who's going to say it, but it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, only in a rated R flick if they decided to go that route. Well, actually, yeah, that's true because obviously we got dead. We know Deadpool's going to be rated yeah, R. At the so end of the day, it's meant for children. <laughs> so we'll just so. save it for actually, when Deadpool you know comes in. There you go. You probably just you probably just answered the question. It's probably going to be Deadpool. Yeah. It's probably going to be Ryan Reynolds' as Deadpool. They'll use the one F bomb that they're allowed in the PG 13 thing to have him slip it in. And I could see it in the first, like, 90 seconds. That would be great, actually. Just get that out of the way in the first 90 seconds. Like, elephant in the room. Like, this is what it is. We're taking care of this. Yep. 
Either that or maybe Blade, too. I could see uh, Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Uh, Blade, that's the one other one. I really wish that that was going to be like rated R and stuff. They already announced it's going to be PG-13. That bothers me. I don't care. I can't wait for that. I can't wait, too. Blade's going to be sick. Especially with Mahershala Ali. He's unbelievable. Yeah, I love he's him. awesome. He's awesome. Um, but basically, that was the wrap for She-Hulk, like we said. Funny than we expected. Very, very, very fast-paced. Mm-hmm. 38 minutes long with the credits. Yeah. I mean, that was fast. We did a lot in that episode. Yeah, some good content in, uh, in that 38 minutes. So, yeah, all around better than what I thought it was going to be, funnier than what I thought it was going to be. So, yeah. I'm on to, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to episode two. Yeah, same here. And now we just kind of, now we can just run. You know what I mean? There's no yeah, now story. we go. We're good. We're She-Hulk. We're loyal. We're doing this. We're doing that. Yeah, let's go. That's just why as a Marvel fan, like, you'd have no idea what they're doing. They're all over the place because sometimes they'll spend a whole season developing a character just to, like, build them up for the next step. And in this case, bing, bang, boom, we got it in one episode. So. Yeah. And like I said, I'm very interested to see how those other characters work their way in. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Daredevil in two in both of his roles as a lawyer and as yeah. I was gonna say Daredevil. You, you almost feel like gotta assume that it's in a it's in like a lawyer type role to start. But you, you saw, know, did you see the did you see the last trail when he flips onto the building? Say so we did see him yep. at least suited up once, right? And it's in that new suit. It's like red and gold. Yeah, it's freaking pretty fly. Yeah. So like I said, I think we could see him in both. Yeah, just like, a matter of what comes first. I feel like it'd be pretty interesting. I'd see, like that would be a cool way to do a lawyer room scene or a courtroom scene. Is if you have two superhero, you know, whatever characters that we know, characters that we like, two superheroes, quote unquote, going against one another, but like in a courtroom setting. Yeah, that would be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. He comes out as the defendant or yes, something like that. Yeah, that, that would be wicked funny. That would be very cool. Like, yeah, that think, would be very engaging. I feel like and entertaining and stuff. I think you might get that. That would be awesome. I would love to see that. I think that would be a great idea. I think it'd be very very entertaining. All right, so. With that, that's going to wrap up She-Hulk for episode one, episode two coming on Thursday. But like I said, I'm very excited for that. And with that said, let's get into the biggest story of the week. I will return to Westeros. Let's go. Now, it seems that not only this podcast was excited and all the people that we talked to because it was the highest viewed Season premiere of 2022 for any any show at all, beating out, say, Stranger Things, which was obviously huge, beating out Euphoria, which was the second biggest of the year so far behind Stranger Things till this date. And it's also the highest viewed opening episode of anything under the HBO umbrella, which I think that might be the most impressive thing out of anything that you just said yeah that's if you go pretty all impressive yeah. i With saw all the heat that they put out you know what i mean i saw a clip on twitter of the side of an apartment building in like yeah that was awesome. city yes and it was just all the windows and like i don't know maybe like 30 or 40 of the windows all were synced up to the same yes. lights like on the Christmas tv screen yeah. <laughs> everybody was watching game of thrones at the exact same time that was pretty cool now i told everybody that if you weren't excited for this show you had a huge dump in your pants and I got to be honest, I've never felt more vindicated than anything in my entire life because I was absolutely spot on. Anybody that had even remote doubts about going back to this show after that last season, your doubts should have been washed away. See that? There's one right there. I was, I was wrong, America. I was wrong. <laughs> That's all you can do is admit when you're wrong. Right? That's it. But, I mean, this episode, within, I would say, three minutes, I would say, within three minutes, I was already like, here we go yeah (laughs) here we go i was like i can this feels different 
this is not the last season. This is we're back. Like I can feel it. It was awesome. I really, really, really enjoyed it. I had huge, huge, huge expectations going into it, and I thought they were exceeded. This episode did so much in 60 minutes. At one point during it, I was like, all right, we got to be like, you know, getting close to the wrap up. We got to be getting close to the end. I looked at my phone, and it was only like 9.38, and I was just like, Oh my god. Yeah, we got like, some there's some ball game left. Like 20, like 20 <laughs> a lot of ball game left. left. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Like, holy shit, let's go. I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, we already seen so much, but let's keep going. This is great. One of those circumstances where it almost felt to it honestly to me almost felt like a two pop premiere. It was only one hour, but it felt like there was enough information given to us. Yeah. And then go, going back to what you were saying too, the uh in the first three minutes, and like this is what I had from my first bullet point. Is like you were. I was the same way. You you were kind of drawn in in the first three minutes, and to me the best part was that they did it without a theme song. Like my thing was, you know, we were all questioning like, are they just gonna bring back the Game of Thrones theme song? Are they gonna have their own, you know, like alternative version of it? This, that, and the other, and like they captivated you in the first, you know, how it was in the past. The Game of Thrones theme song comes on, we're all hyped up, like ready to watch it. They did this without a theme song to me, which I thought was like probably the most impressive part is that they just narrated it. Boom, here you go, and we're in. If we want, yeah, let's let's do the theme song first. I'd rather them not do a theme song if you're gonna butcher it, but I was excited. I feel like that's what I feel like. Am I am I wrong in that? I feel like I was I was excited for a new theme song. Exactly. Like I don't know. I still got the the original Game of Thrones one stuck in my head. So no, I think that. First of all, I don't necessarily think that we might not get one. I think there's a possibility that we might get it in episode two. Yeah, I agree. I think that there was a chance that in this first episode that we kind of just kept it with that small little the dragon theme with the emblem and then a little bit of drums and stuff like that. That, to me, I don't feel like is what they're going to do for the entirety of the show. Yeah, I do think I that they're going to do something. I think, I think they thought that you as, a, as an audience were expecting it. Th- like, they wanted to throw you off by not having... Because I don't think we were the only people that were questioning, is no, this, are they going to just redo the theme song? Thing. And they knew it, right. So I think it was kind of cool that they're drawing that out another week of, now next week if we don't have a theme song, then it's like, I think they're just going into it without every Which single week. every if single they week. do that, if we say if we get to next week and it does that again, to me what that says is they said, hey guys, listen. We struck gold once. We're not going to. We're, right. we're not even going to try yeah. to strike it again. Yep. We already know we hit it. We're just going to move on. We're just going to skip this thing yeah. for this show. Unless if they want. You know what? Just say fuck it, man. Just bring it back. Just run it back. I'm sure if you get the same orchestra and the same guy conducting the, the orchestra, guy. you're going to come up with a... It's like John Williams. It's like John Williams. This, episode, just, this first episode already hit. You yeah. can tell it's the same guy yeah. and stuff. The score's hit. Just throw John Williams in there. Orchestrate me some fire. I want to hear it. Come on. It's a fire and ice. <laughs> yeah. They use the uh, the end theme again. The same end theme that they Yeah, I did notice that, that too, yep. Uh, but let's start uh, Let's start here uh, with the opening, I guess. Again, spoilers coming for any of you guys that have not seen the first episode. I suggest, you know, probably coming back after you've already seen it because we're going to start doing a deep dive into this week's episode. But we opened up. As our friend and our uh, Westeros aficionado predicted last week, we opened up with the Great Council. Um, a Thousand Lords at Harrenhal, just like Legend, like Luki told us. Now, Harrenhal, while not looking great, definitely looked better than it did in Game of Thrones. Yep. Definitely looked a little, little torched, but we were able to gather a whole lot of people in there, which I don't even think you could fit that many people in Harrenhal anymore in Game of Thrones times. 1,000 lords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, so we get opened up uh, Rainey's Targaryen, who's going to be our princess. Uh, I'm sorry, Rainara Targaryen. Those two names are going to throw me through a loop. Yeah. Rainey's and Rainara. Tougher names. Yeah, man. Come on. Uh, princess Rainana, uh, Rainara. Jesus, Lord have mercy. Opens up with a little um, a little monologue, which I love. It reminded me, actually, of the, the beginning of Lord of the Rings. Actually. I thought so, too, yeah. Yep. A little bit, right? Yep. So she is basically setting the table for us. She is explaining, just like as Luke told us, King Joharis was a good king. He's getting to the end of his reign. He doesn't have an heir. So the entire Westerosi kingdom is going to come together, and they are going to elect who is going to basically be the next heir. They listened to, I think, as they said it was 14 different um, practically, uh, pleas, and only two of them were heavily considered. Viserys, who ended up winning, and then Rhaenys, uh, uh, like I said, the queen who never was. So she's passed over. The queen who never was is a... While being a negative nickname, not a terrible nickname. Kind of has like a, I don't know. To me, it sounds like some bitch who could eventually come into power and like keep that nickname going almost as like a, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yep. Almost a like motivation a, tool. Yeah, yeah. Bulletin board material kind yeah. of a thing. I don't know. I kind of liked it. But she basically opens up the show, setting the table for us, um, which to me was interesting that they chose her. I guess mostly just because does that... To me, whoever you open the table with is going to be kind of your lead, in my opinion, in most cases. Especially if it's not from, say, like a Lord of the Rings standpoint, where it's like a storyteller, like an outside character. Yeah. It's going to be one of the main people. I imagine that if she's telling it, it's going to kind of be heavily focused around her. And we really do open the show with her, because right after we leave the Great Council and we learn that King Viserys is now going to be the new heir, or going to be the eventual heir, we open up in an awesome, awesome, awesome scene. Of her on Dragonback, just flying over King's Landing. It looks absolutely beautiful, completely resurrected from the last time that we saw it in the Game of Thrones season when Daenerys burns it all to the ground. It is looking awesome. And she lands in the Dragon Pit, which for the first time we get to see in its actual glory. Because by Game of Thrones, when we see it again, another thing that's yet demolished. Which I liked that. I thought that was cool. You get the little dragon Sherpa's bed, basically kind of herding in the dragon. So I don't want to go in my cage. I liked all of that. Um, I, I, I really thought that they tried to do a little bit of a princess Daenerys, like, you know, Daenerys Stormborn resemblance between those two. She almost, lo- she almost looked like her, that scene where she's petting the dragon, yeah. like, from, I was, I didn't realize it until the second time I, I ran through it, and, like, she looked exactly like Daenerys. I don't know if they did that by, on purpose or what, but it was, like, it was, like, shocking how, like, striking of a resemblance yeah. it was. She looks like her, and she looks good. <laughs> and we're going to we're gonna find out that I think she's got a lot of her personality, too. I think there's a lot, a lot of resemblances between these two characters. But she's going to basically go. We open up with her. She gives us an awesome walk through the Red Keep, which also, again, resurrected, looking just as good as we saw it before it came down, crashing on Jamie and Cersei's head there. Uh, but it was very cool. In that moment, I was that was like I said, I, about three minutes in, I was hooked. And then that scene happened, and I was like, okay, we're we're back. The world feels alive again. They brought it back, and it felt like a good place to start for us to see the city that we had spent so much time in in the Game of Thrones series that we saw get burnt down come back to life. It's looking beautiful. It's popping. It looked great. And it felt like we were right back where we belonged. Yeah, that was awesome. I loved that aspect of it. Just seeing King's Landing in in good form. Westeros, it was it was awesome. Good again. The score was good. It was a little bit of music playing, positive. But it was just like very like, all right, like 
we're back. Yeah. It's just like a nice, <sighs> nice breath of fresh air. Yeah. yeah. It's like, hey guys, you know what I mean? Listen, we're gonna have some fun here. We're gonna have a good season. We're gonna have a good series. Like, let's let's get back to where we belong. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come on in. Come on exactly. in. It's warm. It's nice and warm in here. Exactly. Sit in the exactly. front row. Take a seat. Exactly. Uh, then we go. She um, is with her friend Allison Hightower. Like I said, they're going through the Red Keep and they are making their way to her mother, uh, the Queen's Chambers, who is very pregnant, very very pregnant. Uh, and they have a quick little dialogue that I liked a lot. Um, the queen basically tells Reynara that their place, the women's place, is in the birthing bed. That's their battlefield. That's where she needs to basically learn to want to be. Because Big she, responsibility. Yeah. Because she prefers to be on Dragonback. She'd rather, she says that she'd rather be in armor. Going into battle and fighting, which instantaneously reminds me not of Daenerys, but of my girl Cersei Lannister, because Cersei Lannister talks about constantly how she wishes she had been born a man so that she could have gone and fight alongside with her brother and her father and stuff like that. She never wanted to be, you know, a woman with the birthing and all that shit, being wetted off to whoever, you know, your dad or your brother or your king tells you to go wet. So to me, I really liked that. I think that that's going to be where she ends up kind of going. I don't think, I think her mom's wrong. I don't think that she's going to end up needing to, you know, get used to that housewife shit. I think she is going to be, end up being more of that, uh, that battle queen. You know yeah. I mean? A little bit of both. Get you a girl that can do both, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but that was a, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed that scene. Um, it's the first mention of something that's going to happen again in this next scene, but she met, her mom mentions that she smells like dragon, which to me I thought was funny. My first thought right away was being by a campfire. You know, when you go to a campfire and you hang out in the summertime and you go home afterwards and all of your clothes just smells like that smoke and that wood and stuff like that. That was like, you know, dragon's got to be something Yeah, like her her father, Viserys, smells an R2 when right, she yep, shows yep. up. In the very next scene, she goes into the high council meeting and the first thing that she's a little bit late and her dad says, you know, smell like dragon too. <laughs> yeah, she she asked he asked why she was late. She was like, "Oh, I was visiting mother." And he was like, "Oh, yes. on on Dragonback." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's gonna be a pretty uh, potent smell, I guess. But like I said, that was the first thing that came out to me, which I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense." You know what I mean? Dragons fire, probably. Probably got some blood on them and stuff like that. I bet they're a smelly, smelly beast. I believe that. But we open up at the High Council. Oh, we open up at the scene at the High Council. Um, King Viserys is. Giving the punchline of a joke, which I have seen online, people believe might be the punchline of Tyrion Lannister's went into a brothel with a honeycomb and a jacket. Oh, no way. <laughs> punchline no way. that he delivers, and I, I believe it says, and I said to him, I believe you're looking up the wrong end. And then they all start laughing. And people online are speculating that that is the punchline of Tyrion Lannister's donkey in a honeycomb joke. <laughs> That's funny. That would be very funny if we get that joke in all kinds of different parts and we have to like put it together ourselves one day through like four different series. Wouldn't surprise me if they did something like that. <laughs> uh, but this is the first time that we meet Lord Kerwin, who is um, the queen who never was his husband. He is on the High Council. He brings up an issue that Otto Hightower, the Hand of the King, and King Viserys overlook quite easily. Seems to bother Lord Kerwin. It seems like he kind of. It seems like something that happens to him a bit. I have a feeling. It seems like a lot of the time. I get the impression that he does this a lot, where he'll come up with a problem, and they kind of overlook him and kind of throw him away because it seemed like it wasn't the first time that this has happened to me. You know what I mean? Um. 
after that, I believe we. What was it right after there? Lord Perwin. I think where it was is, and I might be wrong, but at least to me, this was arguably the most interesting part I thought of the whole episode was when he's, uh, when is the king's getting that, like the wart or whatever it is, checked oh, out yeah, on yeah, his yeah, back yeah, yeah, yeah. or the cyst. Like a boil. Yeah, and they, and they say that, uh, they said that it's a result of him sitting on the throne and like later on down the, the episode, like he gets... You know, we'll talk about it later, but him getting caught on the throne again. I don't know. I thought that was like kind of weird, and I was like, oh, is that like going to be his downfall eventually?" Or um, I don't know. Could if it's, be. That's like kind of just like a small scene that I thought might have a bigger impact. Yeah, no, I definitely think you might be right to that because I think there's a chance that if it's like infected, that it might just be beyond like their their knowledge at this point and kind of thing. Yeah, kind of like so, how uh, like the first time in Game of Thrones when it was like a boar. You know what I mean? Like, yes, actually, a that's a great call. You know what I mean? Like, a similarity right there. Small, not a small wound, but, you know, a pestering wound that they can't heal. Both knocks out the king. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. We do see him scratch his hand again on the same on the same throne later on. Yeah, I mean, so I just thought of the fact that it was twice, and, like, the, since the first time they mentioned it, it was him sitting on the throne, and then he does it again. Like, I, I, yeah. obviously, it's still too Very early true. to kind of tell Very the true. significance of it, but I, do like that I, I feel like there's a little something. If they mention it twice, I think you're on to something. Yeah, there. I feel like there's a little bit something going on there. Like, I don't know if it's his downfall or if it's, you know, a metaphor for him not me- meaning to be on the throne maybe or something, yeah. but. I don't know. Keep keep an eye on that in the next coming that episodes. That throne is like. dangerous, man. That's that's the and we do know that he's going to pass eventually from something. But then too, we see thing off. and then we see uh, we see Damon sitting on the throne though, and yeah, was there was good. nothing. You know, at least they didn't say if he got caught or anything. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of overthinking it. But I just I found that really interesting for some reason. Yeah, no, I think it's just a case of the like literally. It's a, I mean, you have a chair. It's forged from actual swords you know what i mean so i think it's kind of a scenario where if you're just not overly careful at all the time and you kind of react in a in a way based off emotion or something like that you do a hand wave you do a gesta something like that you get angry you sit up fast i think you can just catch a scratch you know what i mean i think it's the kind of thing where you have to almost be conscious of all of your movements because you're literally <laughs> sitting on a blade of cha- you know a bladed chair yep um but yeah so we go from the infection scene that we have with the lingering cut uh, we get into, like you just said, Prince Damon's introduction. Now, he is sitting on the Iron Throne. Princess Rhaenyra comes in. They have an awesome little conversation back and forth in High Valerian, which I noticed. I'm not sure if it's maybe because it's supposed to be back when the Targaryens are in higher power. There's more of them. Old Valeria is still kind of a thing. But to me, these, I don't know if it's the actors even, but they spoke High Valerian cleaner than they do in Game of Thrones. It seemed like it wasn't them speaking almost a second language. It seemed very natural. It seemed very clean. It was almost like, I don't mean to keep going back to Lord of the Rings, but like Elvish. Yeah. Like the way that it's just, yeah, it was very smooth compared to, to how they did it the first time around. It sure was. Um, Prince Daemon basically says that, you know, I heard your father's throwing a tournament for me, saying that he's still the heir. Uh, and he is a little flirtatious i would say with yeah the, with his cousin oh, yeah absolutely 100 percent. to There's me a little something yeah a little too close so it, so i'm trying not to make comparisons to the original game of thrones but this was really i mean him and a couple characters where i, I felt some good comparisons to like to me damon felt a lot like um like jamie lannister to me i thought so too not I just not just in the sense of that of like you know the incest thing but it was more of like you know the, there were some scenes i feel like where he was meant to be the bad guy whether it was like you know going through that village and, and pillaging the village and doing things like that so but like they're almost trying to make him the bad guy but i he didn't rub off to me at least as the bad guy kind of like how jamie lannister did so I mean, it's kind of early, one episode in, but 
and I'm trying not to make those comparisons, but to me that was he was like the the Jamie Lannister at least of the first episode. I think that's a great comparison. I actually said the same thing. I went going into it thinking more Jon Snow in my head just because that's the way that I thought they kind of built him up more in the trailer. But after the first episode, I get a lot of Jamie Lannister vibes too because I got this, like you said, kind of this tough, rugged, I'm a badass exterior. But there are a couple scenes this, that we're going to get into. Yeah, he's got some two things in particular yeah. where he shows that he can be empathetic mm-hmm. and sincere and show, you know, some sympathy and stuff like yep. that. And he's, you know, not just a total full-fledged, like, monster like we have yep. with some of the guys in Game of Thrones. Yeah. There were a few different scenes in that one episode where he showed a lot of empathy. And, you know, they're making him out to be, you know, a tougher character than I think he is. It seems like when it's time to be a to like to like be a badass and do things like, you know, going through a village and, and rape, like pillaging through the village, he can do that. But like you said, he... He does kind of both ends, and he does have like a kind of exactly like Jamie Lannister when it comes to Cersei, and you know, yeah. So that that's where I got the kind of the comparison from. Yeah. So he brings Rhaenyra a gift, a nice Valerian steel necklace. Um, they compare it to his sword, which they announced for the first time. Dark Sister, pretty cool name for a Valerian steel blade, yeah. or any blade, I guess. I like that, that name. Yeah, definitely pretty cool. Uh, but like I said, a little bit of flirtation going on. It's not one sided either, in my opinion. It it feels like it's from both sides more so like he's doing it but she kind of likes it kind of a thing i don't know yeah i agree i definitely picked up on that as well i think there's going to be more to that but she was giving off a couple of vibes too because i don't know to me she was giving off some vibes with her friend allison too. that that's the vibes that i got off of too I, I honestly didn't pick up on the vibes that you guys are talking about i was more of how was the like allison, like allison hightower yeah i don't that, know those are the vibes that now, i got those yeah, i'm not was, sure were like reciprocated I think those yeah, because there because there were a couple of times when there was, she comes off the dragon and she's like, "Oh, I'll be big enough to sit too one day." Yep. And she wasn't interested in that. And, and then again, when they're in the garden, the lane in the, she mentions, the, yep. "I want to go with you on horseback across the narrow sea and eat cake, yeah. yada yada yada." And again, she's laying, she's got her head in her lap, stuff like that. And she's like, "I like this position." I don't know. To me, I just felt like she was. I don't know. Maybe she's just like that. She could just be a flirtatious person. We know that a lot of women, you know, in Game of Thrones, use that to their power. I mean, look at, um, uh, oh Jesus, Lady Tyrell, uh, Marjorie, Marjorie Tyrell. I mean, yeah, yeah. she used her flirtation to get Absolutely. anything that she wanted from anybody. You know what I mean? Whether it be Prince Tommen or Joffrey or whoever it was. Yeah, or me. I, yeah, I was gonna say or me. <laughs> yeah, or me. You know, the only one was uh, except for uh, what was the what was the the prince there, the Baratheon kid. She couldn't get him, unfortunately. But um, so that, like I said, I, I found that yeah. whole thing interesting. Just the fact there was a little bit of flirtation there. I think We're going to find out more about the, the dynamics of the different relationships in yeah. the series. So I'm looking forward to that. Big Especially time. now, too, when we're, we're running out of options to, you know, to keep producing kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, very true. Very wife's, true. wife's dead now. If we're just going to get to a point where we're just relying He's on... going to need an heir to the... Relying family. on our family to, to reproduce. So, yeah. yeah. Next, we get to a part that was probably one of my favorite, if not my second, yeah, one of my favorite and my second favorite part of the episode. We see Prince Damon talking to the City Watch, the gold cloaks that he rebuilt from basically scratch, it seems like himself. The High Council gave him a bunch of money to basically put into it to get soldiers to train him, yada, yada, yada. But they know that they're having a tournament soon that's going to be coming up to celebrate the king's birth of his new heir, hopefully. And we want to clean up King's Landing because apparently things are starting to run a little bit of a muck. Uh, criminals are running the streets and we're going to go clean things up before all the high lords come in you know what I mean because we don't want them terrorizing the high people so we're going to take our new band of dogs 
and we're going to go out into the streets. We're going to round up anybody who done hunt. anything bad, <laughs> and we're going to whip some ass. Yeah. Rob is and a losing hands. Rapists are losing balls. Murderers are losing their heads. They fill up two carts, they said, to carry on horseback, basically, full of body parts to get all these people out of there. Like you said. Badass to me. I thought it was badass. (laughs) I think that they did this scene in the way that they did it. I think they did it intentionally to make the audience be wary of him. To kind of almost build this image that he is the bad guy, that he's the scary guy. Exactly like I've been saying. It's it's Jamie Lannister. Yeah, I, I think, think he's he's hand. sending a message in that scene as well. And, you know, the, the Targaryens are savages at the end of the day. Like, that's what they do. Yeah. And, and then it, to also kind of know that, like, I think the scene right before is when you're talking about we're talking to Rhaenyra. So it's like he's not just uh, he's not just here to be, like, a kind of love interest, like, political guy. Yep. You know, the very next scene they show him that he can flip the switch into that, like, absolute savage mode. So. He sure, sure did. He turned into an absolute savage to say the absolute least. Um. I thought that it, it was awesome, to be honest. I, I really enjoyed it. To be cutting off balls, arms, heads, the whole thing, I thought it was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I, <laughs> I love Game of Thrones, but even this, it was a little bit dark. Like I, I get that we're trying to do this whole 9 o'clock thing. Everyone watches it at nighttime on Sundays and you know the house, turn the lights off. But God, if you have any light on in your entire house, that scene was almost impossible to watch. Yeah, I watched much. it back <laughs> again today with Los, and like we had one light on like in the kitchen, and I was just like, what is going on? Yeah, we're doing the Battle of Winterfell all over again. <laughs> Thankfully, it's only for like, you know, it's very quick. It's not a whole episode, a whole battle. Yeah. It's just, you know, like six seconds. But it's like, you know, I get it. It's dark. It's the old days. There's not exactly candles everywhere. We can, you know, escape belief for a second. You can put a light. It's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll look at it. <laughs> just a lamp or something. Yeah. A gas I'd rather lamp. be able to at least see what's going on <laughs> if I decide to watch an episode during the day. But that was one thing I did notice that, that just kind of caught my eye a little bit. Um, or it didn't catch your eye because it was so goddamn dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, from there, we are going to go back to the High Council meeting and what another one was my favorite scenes. And we kind of have the first show-off duel, if you will, between Prince Damon and Otto Hightower. And this is a battle that I think is going to be ongoing throughout the season. Otto Hightower clearly has done everything in his power to get Prince Damon out of King's Landing. He's married him off. He's given him three different jobs. They said that he was Lord of um, was it Lord of Laws, Lord of Coin, and yep. then they made him the City Watch. They're basically just trying to get this guy out of their hair any way they can. And to me, why? I, I, I don't trust Otto Hightower at all. I, I think while they build Damon up to be this kind of sketchball, I think that what Otto does in this episode is a lot sketchier to me. He comes off to me as a guy that's kind of top of my suspect list. I don't See, really I got trust one, him at all. I got one even above that. And again, I, I, I'm i not trying to keep making comparisons to the original Game of Thrones. Like, he does a lot more of the actual things of, like, implementing these laws, you know, moving Damon around. But um, I think it's, is it Chorus? Lord Chorus? I think he's the one that's kind of pulling the strings. And, he, like, he's he's the guy that's, like, kind of like how Littlefinger was, where he's not. Really? Yeah, where I think he's not doing these necessarily, like, applying these laws and things like that but it's it's, he's playing chess he's playing chess for his own good and he's moving these these people around to kind of you know manipulate and help himself out so i I did get that from from auto but i honestly felt more of it from chorus and i feel like he's he's the guy that's pretty quickly too in this yeah exactly and it's like i don't think he's doing it because he's an ally of dame i just feel like 
you know, ultimately, I think he's got a bigger, I don't know what it is, obviously, one episode in, but I think he's got a bigger plot, but I think he's kind of more the guy that's behind the curtain pulling the pulling the strings a little bit. See, it's mentioned later on, but Damon mentions that the king needs protection from himself and that he, he's a little bit weak. I think that Otto sees that. I think that Otto is somebody who's secretly actually out for himself. I think that he sees that he's got a lot of grasp over the king. I think that he's trying to dig his claws in deeper this entire episode, to be honest. I think there's a lot of different circumstances that go to show it, too, from him sending his daughter in there to discussing the heir right after the death. We're going to yeah, get to that. Send, yeah, sending a raid. Yeah. To me, it was, very, it was very, very sketchy. I did love that uh, he brings up, he basically brings up anything that he can to get Damon out, uh, including his wife in the veil, which was interesting to me. I didn't know that Damon was married or would be married. Also, I like the mention to the veil. But he takes a dig at Otto's wife, who is the first thing that he's going to do in about five minutes. But the first thing he's going to do is mention Otto's dead wife and how he just lost her. Hey, do you want my wife? Because she's all yours if you want to. Take her. Come and get her. I found that very, yeah, he's, very, very he's a savage. We go from there. And before we get into the good stuff, we get a good scene of what I was just talking about where I think Damon actually seems a little bit sympathetic. He's in the whole house. We get our first glimpse of the new sex that we're going to see in the new Game of Thrones world. He is uh, just going to town on this woman in the brothel <laughs> before he eventually gives up. But before actually he gives up, we notice that there's a bunch of people looking in, which is very yeah. reminder of Littlefinger looking in in his brothels all the time. Yep. Notice that. First time that we see peepholes in this episode. But anyways, after you know he can't get done with the whole deed, and then the woman comes over. She clearly knows a lot about him. She knows about who he is and about what he could be feeling because she's able to, you know, very generously kind of cater to his needs. And he shows a sign, you know, of like I said, um, being vulnerable. I guess, you know, he shows just kind of some sadness to him, basically that he's not just the macho, macho savage man that he's made up to be. Yeah. So I I, I I noticed that and I, I liked that. That was the first thing I saw. That was him, you know, being a little bit of a a well-rounded character, yep. not just a bad guy, like we said. And then it's like with him, they keep going back and forth between like the, he has that scene where he's kind of vulnerable, and then I think it's the very next scene is is when it's the uh, you know when he's a knight and they're yep when they're, go, they're going at it. So I don't know. It's it's kind of like numerous times where they went back and forth in, term, in terms of like showing his sympathetic side, and then the next scene is like oh, but he could also be this kind of guy when yep. he needed, you know? So from there, we go to the tournament for the King's Heir, which was an awesome, awesome, awesome scene that lasted for a good, actually, amount of time of the episode. Um, but we have all of the ladies that we've seen, Princess Rhaenyra and Allison are up in the, you know, the little concession, whatever you want to call it, with the King, the Hand of the King. Um, we have the first glimpse at Cole, who is from the Riverlands, I believe, or the Stormlands, I believe. But it turns out once he pops his helmet off, that he's actually Dornish. So this guy's a bit of a mystery. He's from all parts. We don't. We're gonna have to find out a lot more about him. But he's kicking some ass. He kicks out uh, two Baratheons real quick, and then we get Prince Daemon up, who is allowed to choose his opponent. And this is the second time that he's gonna insult Otto Hightower. He goes and he picks his son out of the lineup, challenges his son. Otto's right away a little bit concerned. They go down the first time. Hightower holds his own. Gives Targaryen a good little bump on the shield. And then Daemon comes back down and says, I'm not going to be embarrassed by this guy. Pulls a nice cheeky cheap move. Wipes out the horse's legs. Takes the horse out and sends Hightower going flying over the horse. <laughs> smack dab face first into the dirt. While being cheaty and a little, you know, 
you know, against the laws. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I was glad that the horse got up. I'm not going to lie. I was a little worried for the horse for a second. But the horse got up. The horse was cool. Well, didn't they do that in the first, uh, when, it, when like, it was the mountain and, the ha- like, the hound was fighting? Wasn't it the same thing where he took out the, took the, out the horse's legs? I no, thought, I don't yeah. think so. He beat, could be he, wrong. Beat, he just took down the mountain. And then the mount, of course, fucking chops his horse's head off, and then yeah. But he doesn't do it. Uh, he doesn't do it like in a cheeky fashion. I don't believe. He just wipes him out. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I believe so. It's uh, the Lord of Flowers. I yeah. believe uh, Tyrell. Um, but that's the first thing he. Uh, like I said, the second thing that he does is so he he ends up you know being cheeky. He beats uh, Hightower's son, and then he immediately goes right over to Alicent in front of her father and asks for her favor. Just right in his dad's face. You can tell that he is absolutely furious about it. He's like, I'm going to make fun of your dead wife. I'm going to beat up your kid. And I'm going to try to bang your daughter. Yeah, he's just absolutely being the alpha in that situation. <laughs> emasculating this guy over and over again. And then we wonder why Otto is so, so, uh, so against Damon. And then we keep seeing things like that. We're like, oh, yeah, that, when, that's why. When, when this guy is trying to do everything to get you out of town, I mean, can you really be that mad about it? I mean, what could the what can can, can you do? be that mad at Otto for trying to kick this guy out of town for be, you know for doing the some of the, if he's pulling things off like this yeah, like not, you know it kind of goes both wrong. ways. One of my biggest takeaways from this scene is I loved Prince a- uh, Darian's armor. It yeah, was that was awesome. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I would really say sick. some of the coolest looking armor in Game of Thrones or any, you know anything. Yeah, the helmet with the wings. The helmet it, with the wings. I yes. love that. Which was just slightly different from the helmet that he's wearing when the City Watch goes in a little bit earlier. Yeah. It's a very similar helmet. It's got the dragon head on it. It's, it's very cool, but that one's got the wings like down, whereas this one's got a really showing off kind of tournament style. A little bit of a bigger target, but, you know, flashier for the people. Yeah. Very, very, very cool, though. I liked it a lot. I want to see, hopefully, more of that in this show. I'd like to see some more. Because in the books and stuff, there's a lot more of that. Like the Baratheons, for instance, a lot of their helmets will have these intricate antlers and stuff like that on them. It's pretty cool, you know what I mean? I'd like to see more yeah, of that. A little one. bit more flash to it, even if it isn't like a tournament setting. Now, while this tournament is going on, uh, Prince Daemon's about to fight Cole. The king gets called into the birthing bed. Because it turns out that the queen is going to be giving birth to, hopefully, their son. Uh, he gets in there, and it turns out that the baby is coming out uh, upside down, baby, basically feet first. Uh, they can't turn it. Uh, and the king has to decide whether to try and save the baby or basically let things happen as they may, which is probably going to lead to the death of both the baby and the wife, unfortunately. He makes the tough decision, and he decides to try and save the baby, which leads to one of the most that was tough that to watch tough. scenes that a lot of people have. That seen, was tough. That a lot of people have seen, I would say, of late. Uh, my good buddy Kalos had a, Sweet had a real Jesus. Hard time. Actually, oh yeah, did my! You hear about this? No, actually, it was very reminiscent of you. For those of you that oh, did he do it? No, uh, <laughs> did, did you do it? Halloween you did. Too, like I got, I got white as a. Oh <laughs> no! I started sweating. I felt oh, nauseous. Man. I was like, this is yeah. disgusting. Been there, done that, dude. Oh, I just felt for her, man. I felt for her character. It seemed like she had a rough go. Uh, you know, having children already and. Just uh, that scene was just gruesome. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, Seth had a, a tough experience at Rob Zombie's Halloween Two. Uh, that opening scene right after they hit the cow, Michael Myers decides to climb out of the ambulance and saw a guy's head off with a piece of glass, and Seth decided to go vomit up his Sour Patch Kids in the trash pile. Great story. 
But Kayla's now I just watch it like this. I just keep my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Now I know when it's coming, so I just turn away. I'm like, no, 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 not doing it. Yeah, but, I did uh, not like that scene. K- Kayla's got a little woozy here, but I. while the scene, I'm not going to lie, while the scene was tough to watch, it, it was obviously tough to watch. I don't think anybody enjoyed it. I like what they did as far as showing the birth with the battle jousting simultaneously going back and forth because it goes back to what we did with the queen in her first uh, scene where she says, you know, this is our battlefield, the birthing bed. It was showing exactly that. The women's battlefield, the men's battlefield, they happened at the same time. They're going back and forth. That aspect of it, I really, really, I liked that part of it. You know what I mean? I thought they did a good job. I respected it. It's a tense scene. Oh, it's very intense. A lot of people online having a problem with it. It's legit. I liked it, but it was a lot for me. I'm not going to lie. But it turns out that they are able to save the baby. Um, Unfortunately, not for very long. The queen is dead. Uh, Prince Daemon loses to Cole in quite the battle. After 50-50 grinding a rail for (laughs) for about a good good, 35 seconds. (laughs) Yeah, loses the joust, then decides to go to a battle of arms, pulls a sword. They have a good fight, though, a good, good fight. I'm looking forward to see more of this Cole kid. It looks like he's going to be a good little scrapper. And you know what I like about him is I like that he's using a. First of all, I like when I like any character. For instance, like you know the Red Viper, like his spear and shit like that. I like when we have different weapons coming into play, mm. especially when it's like against like against a sword. I like the difference. I like yep. the different battle ideas against one another. Mm. And he's using it was a mace, right? Yep. Uh, swinging that thing around. That's cool to me. I like that. I would like to see a guy using kind of like a different weapon, especially if it's something like that. He ends up holding his own against the sword quite well. Like I said, he ends up winning the fight. Uh, but. Let's get these two guys together now. Like if they, if we if we turn into a point where we're going to war or something mm. like that, like the, the, those are two very good fighters. Like yeah, definitely. Let's get them together now. Yeah, he hands down and he he uh, offers a hand to help Prince Damon up after he beats him. Damon says, "Get the fuck out of here," which I like that too. But um, from there we go to the Queen's funeral, right? I believe. Yeah, Queen's funeral. The Queen's funeral from there, right from there. Yeah. Um, so that was a good scene. I like that one. Yeah, unfortunately, like we said, the the queen passed, and unfortunately, the while the boy lives for about a day, the boy ends up passing as well. The king was right; he did have a new heir, and um, we build a beautiful pyre for them out on the water. We had the Targaryens there. King Viserys is completely overcome with grief. He he doesn't say anything in the entire scene. He looks broken down. He looks distraught. Um, the princess also looks pretty beaten down and distraught and actually it's Prince Daemon who comes over to her and this is the second scene that I liked and he was very sympathetic and he explains to her kind of the situation and how the king needs her in this moment and she needs to kind of be the strong one for the family in in this time of need with their mom's passing even though she is hurting too and she stands up to the plate and she did something that while it was very simple I thought she did an awesome job at she delivers our first Dracarys line in House of the Dragon, which is obviously made famous from the first show. And I think that while it's just one word, I think that she actually made it her own. I think that she says it with this passion and this balls and a little bit more accent to it. And I think that it's different from the way that, say, Daenerys does it. You yeah, can tell that she's more comfortable yeah. with the language. You can tell that right. she's more comfortable than the dragons. Yeah. Even though Daenerys did raise hers the whole way and stuff, yeah. you can tell that she's just more 
She's she's a Targaryen raised by Targaryens. I think that if Daenerys had been born with a bunch of Targaryens surrounding her, that these two girls would have ended up coming out almost identical. Yeah, you know what I'm pretty much. I think they would have been almost the exact same because they and have I, a lot of the same personalities. Yeah, and I think so too. That I don't know if they intentionally did this or if it was just you know how how she was acting. Um, but like you were saying, like she kind of made it her own. Like um, I didn't realize until the second time I watched it was that she like she like chokes up the first time that she's yes. saying it. Yes, yes, yes. She and then like she t- like takes a second, pauses, and then says it in a lot a lot more like affirming way. Yes. So like I don't know if they intentionally made it that way but like I, I don't know i thought that was just kind of like whether it was her acting or the way that they wrote it i just thought it was like kind of a nice touch like how this is the first time like you said she's saying it and just the way she said it i thought was perfect yeah because like i said it, while it is just one word it is it's a line it's that word. holds a lot of effect yeah. in the show yeah. you know what i mean there's a lot of big moments from that game of thrones series yeah. that are tied to that one word yeah. and obviously denarius aside from melisande i mean um miss sunday actually in that last season is the only one that says it she, like I said, she says it in a way that I feel like is good to her character. It shows her strength, I feel like. And it shows that I think that in a tough time, she's able to, you know, bite down and be the big one in the family, yep. ahead of her father. And I think that shows that she's going to be a good leader if she ever gets the chance to be one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Um, so right after this, the king has just lost his wife. Now, we know he loses his son. We also learn that he lost five other children over the course of their marriage. So he's lost six kids, right? He just lost his wife. There's no wars going on at all. There's no threats. There's nothing going on like that. So we can't give this guy a second to mourn in his bedroom before Otto Hightower decides to call a high council meeting to discuss the new heir. I mean, that's not a little sketchy. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, come on. We can't put a couple of the King's God outside of his door. We had this new badass gold cloak army. We can put them out front too. Like nothing's no. going to happen. Let's give this guy a couple he days kinda, to mourn. He kind of smells the blood now. He and, smells and he the wants blood. To, he wants just to like the King in, says, yeah. the feast, the crow is coming for the, yeah. the, come for the yeah. feast, man. Exactly. He sees an opportunity. He sees that the King is weak. He sees that he's vulnerable. He sees that he's down. And he is going to try to make him make decisions that he wouldn't normally make. Yep. And that is another example. He constantly does this throughout the entire show. This is one of the biggest ones for me though i thought that was super 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 sketchy and it turns out that while he's sitting there and basically saying that daemon should not be the heir because he is violent he could be the next mega he's a cruel guy he shouldn't even be on the council um he is actually watching through a people very reminiscent to say like lord varus all these little people throughout mm-hmm. he is overhearing he's over listening to everything he says king viserys comes to his brother's defense he says that you know he doesn't. They basically accuse Damon of trying to maybe pull a move to kill the king and come after the throne. He says, "No, no way. My brother wouldn't do that to me." While he has ambition, he is not gonna. He's not that ambitious. You know what I mean? He's not the kind of guy who's gonna go against his own family and try and kill me. And basically, he gets so fed up with what they're saying that he just storms out and leaves. Which I'm glad he did. I think that was the right move because fuck Otto Hightower. Like I said, he's not. I'm against him. I'm out. But you don't, but you don't think uh, like tying into like I was saying with Chorus. Doesn't Chorus? He kind of flip flops back and forth in terms of like he he initially supports, he supports Damon, Damon, and then he he then he goes against it. Like you know, then his support goes somewhere else. So the, so okay. I, I feel like he. I still feel like he's the one that's kind of that's playing saying. that line and and is like is doing this kind of like controlling of the people. I, I don't know I, what I, it is. I do but. get what you're saying, but I feel like so he backs Prince Damon originally, right? 
And I feel like that's just because he is. I think he. I honestly. I or he actually has a, is sincere and. I think he's a man of. The, I think he's an upright guy. Yeah. So I think he says, "Hey, listen. This is already the way things are going. This is the guy that's the heir. This is the heir." Yep. Now I think once other names start getting thrown on the table and we're starting to throw it all, like, well, no, this girl doesn't work. This guy doesn't work. This guy doesn't work. Then he's sitting there and he's like, "All right, well, if we're gonna be doing this, my wife." Was literally up for the yeah, running right, that's true, against yeah. the guy who's the king yeah. now. So if we're going to be yep. doing this, if we're going to play this again, game, then yeah. I mean, why the hell shouldn't my wife be on the yeah. table? You know what I'm saying? That's true. Yep. But I didn't think anything of it. At least not not like in a bad way or a, you know a malicious way. At least yeah. I think he was just kind of doing what a, what a husband would do. You yeah. know what I mean? It's interesting now too going forward that we we have this like I know that. Your auto high towers, your number one suspect, and yeah, now minus course. So now we can kind of play both ends and I see do. if there's any more proof to that going forward. Do not trust them. And the reason, and then we go right to another reason. Right from there, we leave there, and this guy, we go to his chambers. The first thing that happens is you send in some a message to high tower, uh, to um, to old town, to the maesters. Yeah, we don't know what it is. We just know that he's sending a message. What are you sending? I'm sure you already let them know that the queen's dead. That already happened. You already held a meeting about the heir. You didn't tell them that. You know what I mean? So that's suspect. Then his daughter comes in and he basically says, hey, go up to the king's chambers and give him some company. And uh, you should wear one of your mom's dresses when you do it. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, come on, dude. What are you trying to get out of this? You want your daughter basically to sell herself out and bang the king. I mean, you're yeah. just looking to, you're looking to grab power. Yeah. You're selling off your daughter. Who's, I mean, not that old, you know what I mean? She's got to be, like, late teens, which I know things are different back then. Girls, guys, they're marrying all different ages. I get that, whatever. But still, I mean, come on. It's very sketchy. Yeah, you can, you, it's I def- very, he very, smells, very, very, very sketchy. He smells the vulnerability for sure. He does. He's trying to, he already has power. He's the hand of the king, and he is trying to seize more as quickly as he can yep. when the chips are down and they can be taken. So, again, I did not like that. But then we find out that he is going to pull another move and he is going to throw, which he probably should have because this is a shitty thing to do, but he's going to throw Prince Daemon under the bus because this same night, Prince Daemon is at the brothel. He rents the whole thing out for his boys, the, um, the gold cloaks. They're having a good time. And then he makes a toast celebrating that he is still the heir and he toasts to his cousin who was the heir for a day. Harsh. savage. So he harsh, but here's kind of my my like I don't know not a theory, but I found it kind of interesting. So during that scene, they're going back and forth. They're showing Damon making the speech, but he they never show him saying that. Like, do you think there's anything to that at all? Like, but I guess Damon would have defended himself when I, when right. the king brought it up. I was just gonna say that but I did like that idea for a second, but then yes, he he doesn't. There, really there would be no reason up. to not defend himself right, in front of right. the king. But yeah, I don't know. I just a good idea though. I do like. I just that. thought that was interesting that they did, you know they showed him saying parts of the speech, but they didn't show him say that. So right, maybe it could just be something I'm overthinking. But yeah, but that's uh, obviously very tough. The auto high tower tells the king. And the king reacts by calling Prince Daemon into the throne room. He is sitting upon the Iron Throne with four of his king's god. And he you know, calls him out on the accusations. Did you say this? And Daemon basically says, you know, yeah, we all grieve in our own ways, which I think is a weak excuse, but regardless. He says that the king is weak. He's never once offered him to be his hand. And that he is basically in danger. 
And when the king asks of who, he says of himself, because the council knows that he is weak yep. and that they will try to get their claws into him and he needs to be protected. Yep. And I think that we've seen a lot of signs of that, like I've said already. So I think that everything that Prince Damon says in this scene is spot on. He calls Otto Hightower a cunt in a fantastic way. <laughs> yeah, the way he it's said it was absolutely perfect. Absolutely awesome. Yep. But it turns out that the king basically, you know, I guess relies on Otto more than his brother. This upset him so much. I mean, For now. Yeah, I guess. And he kicks Prince Damon out of King's Landing, sends him home to the Vale, back to his wife. How long is he going to stay there? I don't think very long, but we shall see. Can't imagine. Or, you know, we'll have a thing where we just, um, I kind of like how, I guess, how Lord of the Rings was, where we keep going back and forth. We got different people in different locations and different stories going on. So I can see a lot of that happening in episode two, where I don't think he's making his comeback yet, but it, it's eventually coming. But it'll be nice to see, like, what he's doing, you know, in the veil now. So uh, it's kind of cool. You have, like, an added story now. But now the king is, you know, I feel like Damon, for the most part, was like probably his biggest supporter, and now he's yeah. gone. So you want to talk about you know you don't want to talk about the king being vulnerable. I feel like he's even more vulnerable now. I would, and agree. that might have been their plan all along was to just get him kicked out of there. So that's, now, that's not a bad idea. Now like he, that. he really has nobody left, and you know he's even more vulnerable now. So that's exactly what they wanted. I mean, that's what Hotto was trying to do. I mean, even before the show started, he was giving him all these jobs. He was trying to get him out of here, and he finally seems to have succeeded at least for right yeah. now. So it is also interesting to see, I mean, if Damon has, I don't know how much, I don't know who his wife is yet. I'm sure we're going to find out more about her and stuff. I don't know how much power that he has in the Vale, but we do know that the Knights of the Vale are no joke. Like they always have been the force of power. So that's the kind of thing where if they have them riding behind him, like that's a nice little, you know, that's a nice little army to have at your side. Uh, We also know that the Vale is quote unquote impenetrable. So, I mean, you know, it's a good ally to have. It's all very, 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 very interesting. Um, but that leads us to our climax, the end of the episode, which is unbelievable. We have King Viserys calling his daughter, Princess Rhaenyra, down to the chambers underneath the Red Keep, which we have seen in Game of Thrones. It is basically like where the dragon cemetery is kind of a thing. It's where they put all the dragon skulls and lay them to rest. It's kind of like, you know, almost a place of worship for the Targaryens in a way. But he has her down there. They are standing in front of Balerion, who is the biggest dragon, the last being, they say, that saw Valeria before the doom. Uh, they're standing in front of his skull, which ends up eventually getting uh, shot by a catapult by Cersei in uh, one of those seasons there towards the end. Yeah, that's right. When they build the... The catapults. Yeah, they build yeah, the yeah, machine. She puts yep. a big old catapult right. right through that skull, boy. Yeah. But um, King Viserys asks her, basically, what she sees when she sees the dragons. And she, in perfect explanation, explains that the dragons are sort of an illusion. That the Targaryens are just like any other family in Westeros. And without those dragons, they are powerless. Which the king tells her is basically exactly what she needs to know. She said, you know, you're spot on. The fact that we control these things is an illusion. And it's an illusion that we need to maintain, though. Um... We are going to tie together our series to Game of Thrones in a way that was not in the books. This new edition here that I think is unbelievable. He is going to tell his daughter the most important thing about being king, if you are or queen, I guess, if you're a Targaryen, which is when Aegon came here on his conquest. The reason now I don't know if you guys even know this actually, but the reason so when Old Valeria fell. 
the reason that the Targaryens were able to get out and survive is because at the time there was a, I think she was a, a princess, she was the niece, uh, Danes. She had a dream that Targar uh, that Val uh, Valeria was going to fall. And her dad was one of the only people that believed him, one of the only ones. So they, sure enough, they literally packed up all of their things and they left, even though they, they were basically kings in Valeria. You know what I mean? They were people of huge power and, and wealth. And everybody else kind of laughed at them. They were like, you know, it's just a, it's just a dream. And sure enough, what happened, Valeria fell. Yeah. So Aegon gets to Dragonstone, and before the conquest, supposedly he looks across the sea, and he sees land ripe for the taking. But they say that that is not the only reason he went. He had a dream of his own. And that dream is that the long night is coming for all living men. And when that happens, Westeros must come together and fight it. And at that time, we need a Targaryen on the throne to bring all the people together. If only he knew, he knew it was a two-hour episode that you couldn't really see much and that was only one episode <laughs> long. But that's not his fault for that, so we can't take that against him. Now, this, like I said, this is an addition just for the show, and I thought that it was awesome. I thought that it hit very perfect. It made a perfect tie-in to our show. Also, I noticed it a couple times throughout the episode, but he is wearing, I think it was at the joust, you see him wearing it, but he's wearing a dagger, or the king uh, is wearing a dagger on his hip. I noticed it, but I, I do know that there were multiple Valerian steel daggers back then, uh, and Valerian steel swords and such, so I just assumed it was his. But it turns out, if you continue to watch the after show on uh, HBO Max, if you watched it through there and not live on TV, the writers and producers of the show confirm that the dagger that he is wearing on his hip in this scene, which they focus on multiple times, is in fact the cat's paw dagger that Arya Stark uses to kill the Night King. That's pretty cool. So I thought that this was an awesome, awesome way to A, end the first episode, and B, tie this series to that series that we are in. Yeah, it gives the people who watch, you know, obviously watch through Game of Thrones to have that oh shit moment versus Definitely. you know and I feel like it was even still kind of cool for those who they're hopping in for the first time now you know what I mean like yeah. I even thought that was a good scene it was just kind of added if you knew that little extra detail so yeah I mean all together it was just I don't really have anything bad to say about the, the whole entire episode the ending anything I yeah I honestly like I said the only the small the smallest thing I could possibly complain about is the uh, that dark scene there oh there you go I think you just fixed it is that dark scene there in that little spot with the uh, the gold cloaks? Yep. But like we said, that was an unbelievable first episode. Uh, what do we got? Let me see. Would it die? Got some uh, technical difficulties. You can go to the bathroom now. Back up in business. That was the long night that they were talking about that he saw and that he dreamed of. That yeah, was that, that was, was right what the, the, long, that, the long night looked like. Well, like I said, I thought that was a perfect way to end the episode and a perfect way to tie it, you know, to the this, this series that we just had. 
Um, like you said, I, I had no complaints about the first episode at all, aside from that very, very little like five second scene that was super, super, super dark. But I mean, it was at nighttime and stuff like that. I get why it was super dark. I get the realism behind it. Yeah, but it's just like one of those. Even the the birthing like, scene, like it, you know, it was gross, grossed me out, but it wasn't like it didn't aggravate me. I mean, I, when I watch Thrones, you know. I expect them to push the needle. You know what I mean? That's what they're supposed. That to needle, do. that needle was pushed. But <laughs> that needle was fully pushed. <laughs> Got me good. That's for oh, sure. Oh man. I mean, when like you watch Thrones, I feel like you want you know you want the politics, you want storytelling, you want characters, you want violence, you want sex, you want blood, you want dragons and magic. You literally got all of that in this first episode. Yeah, they did it in an hour. I can't believe, like I said, how much that they did in that first hour. It felt like it was so much longer. Um, I I, I have no complaints really. I cannot no. wait to see what this show is gonna yeah. do. I think we are in for so much. That pro, the little uh, preview that they did, like what's to come on this season, yep. was fucking wild. Yeah, you know, I liked the little part actually. Where the princess even mentions that I, I don't know if she's. It looks like she's reading something. I assume it's gotta be something that Aegon wrote. But it mm-hmm. even says that my heir is going to be the king that was promised. Yeah, and I was like, wow, we're gonna go like that. Like I like that. Like what's you know what I mean? Let's tie these two shows together, even though they're so far yeah. apart. I, I mean, think that it really adds a lot to this. It, it took one episode for me to be like, you know, I'm kind of getting glass half empty in terms of like I didn't want to get my hopes up. Uh, I call it the Last Jedi syndrome. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't want to get your hypes up so much that you know movie or TV show is so bad that it absolutely crushes you. So I went into it kind of not expecting bad, but not getting my hopes up. But now it literally took one episode for me to be like, all right, my expectations are right back up, and you know we need to keep kind of keep if we have every episode like how that was then, yeah, then sign we, me the yeah up. this is thrones like that's what i said like we're right back like, yeah this, it was a good way of saying we're, we're was, right back this yep. was different this actually it wasn't different it was actually the same it was just different compared to that last season this was exactly what thrones used to feel like every yep. single week yeah you know what i mean and i am so excited to be back i cannot wait for this next episode um i think that about wraps up that recap as well yeah, my one complaint for see—I mean, for season one of Game of Thrones was that it was just really slow, and like my first viewing of it. Yeah, yeah. look at like what, rewatching the season after having watched the entire series. Like yes. I appreciated it more for Definitely. being what it was, but it was a very slow season. Your first watch through, and I. I didn't feel that way about this first episode. You know, this, of, this episode didn't let up. It was very fast paced. I guess like um, like a kind of question I had was: Are you guys kind of treating it now that we've watched Game of Thrones? Like, are you treating it in the same in terms of like you're not trying to get too like emotionally attached to a character because you know how savage Game of Thrones is? Like, are you watching it and you're like, "Yep, like that guy's gonna get double crossed at some point," or you know what I mean? Like, how much are you guys factoring in how? Yeah, no, I guess like I how Savage Game saying. of Thrones was to get attached to like to the characters and stuff like that. I guess this one's a little bit different just in the sense because I do have a little bit more of like I do know a little bit more where it's going. Right. Whereas in Game of Thrones, I I hadn't read any of the books. Yep. I had, you know, no real knowledge going into right. it. It was all that's so, true. so the, fresh. There's more of a backstory to to this one right. that's so already out there versus I can yeah, like from this first episode, I already I mean, going into it, I knew I was going to love Prince Daemon. This episode confirmed that. I'm all in on Prince Daemon. Definitely my favorite character. And now I'm all in on the princess, too. I, I love Princess Rhaenyra. I think that she is a badass. I can't wait to see more of her. I think, like I said, I think she's going to end up turning out to be more of that battle queen that she wants Like to Daenerys. Be. I, yep. Hopefully she's the Daenerys we never got, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that I think that we're going to. So, like, from that aspect, I, I mean, I do know, you know, like, she'll be around for a while kind of a thing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Um. 
also, I mean, at the end of this, we, I mean, in a way, there are going to be things that we don't know, but at the end of the day, we kind of sort of know, like, how it ends, sort of. True, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. We know it ends bad for House Targaryen. This yep. is this Dance of Dragons is what's going to significantly hurt them as a family across Westeros, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're going to basically eliminate themselves. So, uh, with that said, I, I do get what you're saying. I do think we're definitely going to get some shocks, though. There, there's going to be a death or two that we don't see coming in this show, just like Thrones. I don't yeah, know who it'll be. I don't know when it'll be, but it'll happen. Right. Like like I said, I feel like that first episode, there's not a whole lot of characters where you're you know, emotionally attached to, except for maybe probably Damon and Rainier are they're the only two. Yeah. But, you know, there's nobody on the council that you're emotionally attached to, like at least for me. I'm sure we'll see more characters and stuff. But, yeah, I feel like, you know, early on, there's not many people that you can be you can kind of like feel that way about but um it could change and i don't know like i said if it's anything like how game of thrones was anything's possible so yeah i think that this first episode because they finished with her becoming the new heir and stuff like that i think it was very heavy featured around rainara i think that this second episode is gonna be very featured heavy against the aunt against rainies i think we're gonna see her story now that rainara just got made the new heir i think that we're gonna see that she has a problem with that and I think we're going to see some sort of a, a little bit of a clash maybe start to develop the yeah. very beginnings or something like she's that. She's got like the Stannis, Stannis Baratheon kind of mindset exactly. to it of, you yeah. know, like she's, if a she's entitled be queen, to. Why not me? I should have. Right. I almost was queen already. Yep. If we're going to have our first woman queen, why not me? Yeah, exactly. And like they said, she already has a, a male heir too. So that then that means a lot back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. They want the line of succession to almost be in order, something that they don't have to worry about. Yep. So, um,. I think that was an awesome first episode. I can't wait to watch. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely keep up with us. Uh, She-Hulk, Game of Thrones. We have one more week before we get to Lord of the Rings, and then we're going to have really full weeks. You know what I mean? And we're going to have so much to do. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe we'll start doing two episodes. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, great job today. I thought we had a great show. Seth, thanks for coming. It was an awesome Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Anytime, fellas. Anytime. Just wait till we get into the Batman and how some of us liked it and some of us don't. But that'll be <laughs> That's a conversation. episode for a rainy day. I promise you. It's coming. <laughs> it, is for, it is for six hours, twice as long as how the movie was. So <laughs> get ready for that one. Uh, but I am your host, Nick Solas. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please, please, please share this around to everybody that you know. Like, subscribe, review, leave a comment, smash anything that, that you can. Smash that button is right. Share this show around to everybody. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Thank you so much for tuning in. Speaking of family, happy birthday, Ma. Today's Ma's birthday. Lori. Hey, Lori. Happy birthday to my second mother. Celebrating her 30th birthday, birthday again. Lori. Oh, my God. 30 Love again, you. huh? Yeah. Only the second time around. So Nice. Good yeah. for you, Lori. Good for you. But, uh... Like I said, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Enjoy your time at the theater. Take care.